Hello and welcome to episode 77 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And this episode is the Download Lowdown, for lack of a better title. It's honestly, we're at the point of summer where it's been kind of slow for game releases, so we figured it's a good time to go back, revisit some older games that we didn't have a chance to talk about until now, mainly eShop uh, e games. So later in the show, we'll have impressions of Moon Chronicles for the 3DS, Tokitori for Wii U, and... The DLC of Ace Attorney 5, the new... Is it one new court case? Two new court cases? It's one new court case for us, U.S. In the U.S., but in two for Japan, so it's one. So they, they won in the battle if we get more Ace Attorney content. Well, yes and no, because in Japan, the other one was a game show thing. I don't think it was actually like an actual case. It was like a trivia challenge. Oh, that's weird. So, so maybe we won, because we have so, to put up So they didn't really... Well, yeah, I mean, it probably <laughs> didn't make sense to localize it. It was probably too, like, language-specific. Sure, yeah. So, yeah. Well, either way, it, we're it talking Ace Attorney later in the show. Um, the, the, the like, the download theme of the episode kind of extends to a lot of the news, too, as we'll be talking about some new game reveals from some, like, uh, favorite eShop developers, as well as the Mario Kart DLC news, and some bigger stories, like the Hyrule Warriors Direct that happened this past week, Nintendo's recent financials, and the rumored turmoil within the company that has... That could be happening alongside those numbers. So uh, for whatever you want to listen to, we have timestamps as always at ramtown.com on the blog post for this episode. You can go use those to skip around. But whatever you do, stick around to the very end because we have our Smash Bros. shirt giveaway winner. Someone, one lucky listener who spent the time to leave a comment in our last episode is going to get a Con Con exclusive Smash Bros. shirt. So don't miss the announcement of who that is. It could be you if you've actually entered. Uh, so yeah, I guess we'll just kick off with the, we'll start with downloads, I mean the episode's download theme, so why don't we start with... Speaking of uh, Two Tribes. Yeah, I was gonna say, why don't we start with one of the big games that was announced from Two Tribes, which is Rive. Now, Two Tribes is known for kind of like fast-paced, or not, sorry, they're known for slow-paced, uh, puzzle platformers, yet this new game of theirs is kind of a fast-paced, side-scrolling shooter, which is like the opposite of what they've done in the past. I mean, they're not all their plat, not all their puzzle platformers are two D or side scrolling, but they're all puzzle oriented, and they're definitely not. Like, Probably the closest Twitch would be gameplay. Tokitori two, because that one was all, like the whole world was one puzzle where it's, it looks just like a side scroller, but it right. definitely wasn't fast paced. Right. And. Yeah, but this one uh, certainly is. It's um, it's the first game they've done actually since they did that weird restructuring in January. Where they're like, oh, Tokitori two sales aren't as good as we hoped, so <laughs> everyone's fired, but three people are no hope for Tokitori anything ever. Yeah, one point oh one percent chance they've tweeted that they'll ever do another Tokitori. So, so it's good that we're talking about the first one this episode because people that missed it, here's your only chance to play it. Uh, but yeah, so for Rive, it's actually it kind of reminds me of. Did you uh, see the trailer? It's a lot like Scram K and his buddy on rails in terms of concept, like. It's if you took Scram Kitty, made it polygonal art, and then threw it inside, like, a Mega Man stage or something. Like, it, you're still, you're going along the plat the tracks of the platform, so to speak. You're either going along the ground, along the wall, along the ceiling, and you're shooting at enemies in, like, a 360-degree sphere kind of around you. But instead of it being cartoony and, you know, like, Scram Kitty was, it's a lot more, like, industrial, like, Mega Man, my number nine-looking graphic style. Something right up your alley. I Possibly? I'm intrigued by it, but um, what, what's interesting about it to me is that there's kind of a hint that Two Tribes puzzle-y gameplay might still be in there a little. At the end of the trailer, they showed this much like a slower-paced part where uh, basically the ship that you're controlling did like a gravitational pull around an enemy, similar to how Scram K does it, but uh, the gravitational pull, like getting the ability to grab the enemy and doing it would seem like a multi-step process, and it turns out the game does have a hacking component 
where um, when you have upgrades, you're not doing them yourself. You're basically taking over enemies and using them and using their abilities to your advantage. So this one, like the enemy that was shooting at you, you grab them and use them to swing around. The next one, you know, like some other enemies could have things like certain items or weaponry you can use and that sort of thing. But So that might be where the puzzle element comes in, assuming there is any sort of puzzle element. They have an outright set. It just looks like there might be. And I kind of hope that there is because that's their bread and butter, really. Yeah, um, other games, uh, well, except for Edge, that one was just straight up get from point A to point B. There was no real... Well, but you had to, like, puzzle. navigate the block around. Yeah, but, I mean, it wasn't, like, something you had to figure out. It was just more, um, Twitch-based. I would say it's as puzzly as, like, a Qbert or something, where, like, you have to know which path to take without... With path no, of least the, resistance. The, no, there was always one path. Like, oh, never mind. There was never, like, any kind of... It was just, like, literally sometimes, like... It was the path was the, was the width of your cube. It was just about timing, like oh, oh the platforms are moving back and forth. I have to roll across so that I don't fall off. Oh, okay. So it's just kind of like with two tribes took their more you know twitch based gameplay of that and combined it with like Toki Tori's layout, and then you get Rive, sorta. I mean, it's still pretty early. There's no word on platform yet, so it's kind of hard to say what this actually will be. But uh, they did say they they have it up and running on Wii U at 30 frames per second right now. They're mainly making it for PC first, and they'll double back, but uh, they want to bring it to all consoles. Like every, so. almost every game we have. Yeah. Well, pretty much any game's developed on a PC, and then pour yeah. it to whatever oh, yeah, console. Yeah. And they do plan online leaderboards. That's, uh, I mean, it is a score-based game, because it's a, sh- a shooter of sorts, so that will be there. And there may be co-op, local co-op. So, it's still a ways out, but there's some cool stuff. It's intriguing. I'm interested in... And honestly, who would have thought that Scram Kitty would spawn its own weird little side-scrollers where you're on the... where the walls and the ceiling and the floor are like your rails and your... Who would have expected that to be its own little subgenre? But that's two, possibly, for Wii U already. So, um, kind of sticking with, like, the sci-fi, spacey theme that uh, Rive has, the other major new indie announcement for uh, Nintendo platforms these past couple weeks was from Renegade Kid, who makes Mutant Muds and Moon Chronicles, and they announced a new 3DS eShop game that kind of, kind of like how Two Tries is mashing up their concepts into a new thing, uh, I'd say this new game, Zeo Drifter, is doing it even more so. It's basically, it takes what we know about, like, Mutant Muds, which is, you know, 2D sky-scrolling levels with 3D depth, and then it kind of replaces the Mega Man-style gameplay with more Metroidvania gameplay. gameplay. Uh, arguably, it's a genre that's a little too common in indie, but um, it then swaps out the Mutant Muds, like, silly silliness of sorts for kind of a more serious sci-fi storyline. And um, it actually came out of Moon Chronicles indirectly in that, uh, which we'll talk about later in the show, which is also a Renegade Kid game. But Moon Chronicles was, they, the, the team at Renegade Kid was doing a D-make of sorts. They just wanted to see how Moon Chronicles would be in 2D. And then they ended up with this, and they're like, actually, this is kind of cool. And they ran with it and reskinned it as a whole new property, and now we have Zeo Drifter. So, um... Any word on, um, Colt Country? Colt County? It's on hold. I mean, the, the Kickstarter failed, so, unfortunately. So yeah. it's basically on hold. But, I mean, they were working on it for 3DS, regardless of a Kickstarter. I mean, the Kickstarter Not anymore. Was only... The Kickstarter was switching gears completely. Yeah, the Kickstarter was to get it on console, then, now because of that, like, they kind of stopped working. Well, they stopped doing it for 3DS to do it for consoles, and then they decided, well, we could do it for consoles and then bring it back to 3DS, and that became a stretch goal. Yeah. And now it's neither. They're, they still have the assets and everything. Oh, yeah. They're just, it's I mean, I'm hold. sure it'll materialize at some point but that's not the only one though oh, we have Zeo Drifter. the the other downside of uh, zeo drifter is it means that treasure knots is on hold which is practically done from my understanding treasure knots if you remember was oh, that oh i completely forgot about that yeah game. it's that renegade kid game where uh it's kind of like mutant muds but it's like mutant muds but instead of um having you you know just go point a to point b you're kind of collecting treasure and gems throughout each level you have like 10 or 15 different 
characters you could play as, and you're collecting different treasure, and when you get hit by an enemy, you lose the treasure, you have to recollect it. It looked cool. It's like Mutant Muds, but more adventure gameplay than just standard action. And it was pretty close to being done, from my understanding. And then Renegade Kid's like, dude, let's make a Metroidvania game, and they just put Treasure Knots on the back burner, and now it's not coming out till like, 2015. Because they want to do Zeo Drifter first, so... That kind of sucks, because like, I played it at, in, at IndieCade way back in October, practically a year ago, and it was really good, and I was like, kind of looking forward to it, and now it's who knows when. <laughs> so that, that's the one downside to Zeo Drifter. But um, what's interesting about Zeo Drifter is I was kind of saying that's like a mashup of other um, Reggae Kid games. And so in terms of gameplay, it's kind of like Mutant Muds, but Metroidvania. And then in terms of how they're presenting it, it's going to be a lot more like Moon Chronicles. They're going to do chapters. They're going to be bite-sized things you download for cheap and then you get a new one every few months or whatever. They haven't outright said we're doing it Moon Chronicle style as chapters, but they have said it's different installments. The specific wording when they announced the game was that this particular installment in the story, and then they go on to discuss how the game, what the game's about. But So it sounds like they're, the Moon thing actually worked in their favor, and they're probably going to do that more often where they give you bite-sized nuggets. They're expecting it to be about the length of Ikachan. Ica the Nicholas game for 3DS with the little squid, oh, yeah. which is like what three to four hours, so or shorter, or shorter depending on how fast you play. So yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing, not necessarily a good thing, just an interesting thing. Mm. I mean, there, there's only gonna be four small planets, essentially four levels, from my understanding, in uh, Zeo Drifter. Yeah, the basic plot is his warp drive. The guy, it's a like a space guy, and his warp drive breaks, so he has to go find pieces on like his planets. Pikmin? Essentially, I think it's hit by an asteroid, so it's a little different, but. Like Pikmin? Well, yeah. <laughs> not, I don't know. Yeah. Don't, I don't have to with foot. Just like, oh, the ship breaks apart. Gotta find the pieces. Yeah, it's, it's The map probably... also looked almost identical to um, a map you would see in, like, Metroid Fusion or Super mm -hmm. Metroid. Well, yeah, that's what they're going for. But, yeah. I mean... But that that is kind of the one problem with the game, actually, is that it does look too familiar, almost. Like, Metroidvania is so common now. I mean... I feel yeah. like everyone has a Metroidvania game. It's like, yeah, Guacamelee has it. Uh, I'm playing, uh, like half the indie games we talk about on this show when they're announced are Metroidvania. Like it's just, and I mean, I understand why. It's a really clever, you know, it's a really easy concept to make. It's just like it's Steam more complex. Yeah, Steam World Dig is a bit Metroidvania, which we'll actually get to in a sec because there's some news about that. But uh, yeah, it's just like every. I understand why because it's more complicated than just a standard point A point B platform, but it's not too complicated that it's not easy to make. When you don't want to make an RC two D side scroller, make a Metroidvania game. Half those RC two D side scrollers are Metroidvania games. That's the problem. Yeah, that's why they're mashing them up. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to get really ambitious, you make a three D polygon game. But then there are also like different tiers of them. Yeah, you have stuff like Moon Chronicles. You have stuff like Armillo, and then you have weirder stuff like or, the letter. Yeah, except for like. <laughs> You get no animation, where you get interactive stuff. or Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's, it's quite the, the spectrum, it is. But, uh, so yeah, I'm, 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 I mean, if someone had to make a Metrovania, I'm cool with it being Reggae Kid, because I like their other, you know, I like Mutant Muds a lot, so it's like, okay, I can see them doing yeah, it. And I mean, it. At least when they're good, they're good. I mean, everyone seems to like Steam World Dig, so I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is kind of one of those things that it makes sense. But um, it's actually, there's an interesting side in the announcement that I never noticed this, both Mutant Muds and now it's Zeo Drifter. The characters, the reason they look so big on the screen, like, the reason the pixels are so, like, individually huge is because what they're doing is they're scaling them up to 200% when you're playing on the foreground. So then when they move them to the background, you know, when you jump planes or whatever, it, uh, it's actually showing them at their real size. So by doing that, they don't have to make two separate sprites of different sizes. They just have one sprite and enlarge it and say the enlarged one's now the default size. And the little one, which they originally made, is the small version. Kind of a clever... I mean, it's one of those things I can think about. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So it's kind of a clever workaround that, you know, a way to cut corners so they can spend their time and money and effort doing real gameplay yeah. things. 
But uh, so yeah, I'm I'm curious about Zero Drifter. It's coming out, I think this year. He didn't really say. But they're doing weekly developer diaries on uh, Go Nintendo. So for everyone that's curious, check that out. And you did mention SteamWorld Dig a bunch of times. So one final bit of indie news is that uh, SteamWorld Dig, which is awesome, is going to Wii U on August 28th, which is only a couple weeks from now, actually. And the developers over at Image Inform, they're uh, they're trying to do some sort of cross-buy promotion, from my understanding. Like what they want to do, not true cross-buy, but what they want to do is if you have the 3DS version, as I do, uh, they want to give you a discount automatically if you get the Wii U one. One dollar. Something, even if it's just a buck, just that'd be kind of cool. But the problem is, it Nintendo's being Nintendo, and it's easier said than done. So even if you want to just have an HD version for your Wii U, at least that's right now. You might have to pay double, but they're trying to prevent that. And if you've never played SteamWorld Dig, definitely check it out. I mean, did you ever buy it in the end, or were you just talking vicariously through me about it? Because I have it. Well, I mean, I played it, but oh, no, okay. I, I, I never, never got my attention enough to actually buy it. It is. I mean, if you if it's your if you like that sort of game. It is actually really fun. I mean, it's kind of like a weird... That sort of game is actually a bad way of describing it since it's uh, it's kind of a mashup of things. But it's like Mr. Driller with a hit of, hint of Minecraft with some Metroidvania like, power-up collecting thrown in. All just kind of mixed together into these randomly generated maps. It's actually really fun. We talked about pretty in-depth back in like episode, I want to say 52? 52, the Pokemon Rumble episode. So yeah, if anyone, if anyone listening wants to know more about SteamWorld Dig before the Wii U version comes out, go back to episode 52. Uh, it's on the site, redtime.com, and just take a listen, because it, it's a really cool game. It has great personality and everything. And another game, actually, that we talked about in the past, this one I think we talked about even further back, Co- uh, Go Go Coca Polo for oh, DSiWare. Yeah. That's actually getting pulled off DSiWare on August 31st. So if you've never played it and you're curious... Pac-Man yeah, game. Yeah, so for those who have never played it, go buy it now. Go Go Coca... Go Go Buy It Now, because Go Go Coca Polo is gone in, like, under a month end of this month why i have no idea no seriously the developer <laughs> hasn't said they just announced that they're taking it down could be any number of reasons maybe they want to uh are they slowly taking down the dsi war game no that's the thing because they're all available through the eShop. so nintendo has no motive to take it down it lessens their selection i suspect the developers taking it down not it's independent property i think i think the license the developers taking it down because he's probably prepping for the 3ds version and maybe it's not as much new as originally thought, and maybe the three the long way three version. A lot of story, possibly. So maybe he's taking it down so people don't like see the same game twice. But then why isn't the new one announced yet? Like I, I have no idea. All I know is it's strange. Well, that kind of makes sense. I mean, if you take it down, you're pre- you're preventing other more people from buying it, which means there'll be less people that have just played it recently when they announce the new one. So people don't go like, oh, I just played this. Yeah. I just bought this. It could be that. It could be that. I mean, maybe they want to create a buffer period where they know for a fact, like, okay, like, even if someone just bought it, they it still have been, like, a few months to a year since the game came out or the new right. one's coming out, if they even are making a new one. But that would make sense if it was a remake, I feel like. If it's a sequel, which is what he originally pitched it as, like, originally, actually around the time we first maybe talked about Maybe it's a sequel that comes with the first one. Maybe, oh, that would make sense, like a 3 d version well, of They the don't want one. people to buy it so they don't complain later. Yeah, that, you know, that could be it. Because, yeah, when we first talked about the sequel back when it, was for or when we first talked about the original, the sequel was announced shortly thereafter, and all he says it's coming to the 3DS, and that was it. So it's been a year and a half, two years. So yeah, who knows? You might might have thrown both in. Um, but I guess going from minor indie games to kind of more mainstream stuff. Uh, actually, let's go for like the smallest games possible to quite possibly the biggest. Super Smash Bros. Wii U and 3DS. Um, news continues to roll in because Masahiro Sakurai, the guy that runs the franchise, is still of course posting the Miiverse. And you know we got some stuff. 
like we know there's a Game Boy stage now, which I imagine is the spiritual successor of the old Game & Watch stage. Works kind of similar. You're playing the title screen of the Game Boy, and presumably it will rotate to other screens as well. But yeah, but it looks kind of cool. We'll have the 3D depth effect. Um, Curious to see what games they'll have. I'm pretty sure. I feel like one of them is going to be Tetris. It has to be Tetris. Yeah, like, but, there's no way they're not going to put Tetris. And you know, but they have like the blocks falling from the top, and then you'll like use them as platforms that they kind of like yeah. fall down. They'll clear out. That's actually a really good idea. And you know, that could explain the Rayman trophy because Ubisoft owns the Tetris license at the moment. So maybe Nintendo negotiated a deal like, you give us Tetris, we'll give you some Rayman publicity. Maybe Not a playable character, just he'll be there in the game. Maybe we'll switch to the Pokemon Red and Blue title screen and when the Pokemon move from like across the screen to the middle, they could hit you. That, that, that would work. I don't know. <laughs> any logo of any game just flying in could hit you. Yeah, it would just be the, the Game Boy logo. A bunch of like, of their, their best-selling games or something. The Game Boy logo as it drops down. I guarantee there'll be a Game Boy camera reference. Game Boy camera was huge for, like, a little while. Did so, they use the 3DS camera in any way? That would be cool if it mapped you uh, oh, oh, in oh, a like Game Boy camera like filter. Your face in, like, crappy quality. That would be awesome, actually. Oh, because it will be intentional, obviously. That would be super awesome. Um, yes, please make that happen, Sakurai. I like that, yeah, a lot. But So, yeah, we know that. We also learned that uh, the Daybreaker weapon from Kid Icarus Uprising is going to be in Smash Bros., and just like uh, the Dragoon from Kirby Air Ride that made into past Smash Bros, this one it comes in pieces and you get to assemble it and then shoot it. We yeah. have to assemble the pieces. So so that's all like, you know, par for the course in terms of what Sakurai announces. The bigger news were changes to a few of Smash's non-fighting features. And these are things that he doesn't usually talk about. First up, the way you earn trophies is getting a bit of an upgrade or a change, I guess you could say. Instead of just only grabbing them through, you know, normal means, like you're fighting and there's a trophy, you're playing adventure mode and there's a trophy. Because he said, like, oh, if it wants too hard oh, yeah, to yeah. get, you can also, just buy it. Yeah. yeah, it's also, that's that's it. If you now, uh, you now will be able to buy them from a store in the game using 3DS Play Coins, which some people on the internet seem confused about this. Let's just spell it out super clear, clearly. 3DS Play Coins do not cost money. 3DS Play Coins are what you earn when you walk around with the thing. So it's not going to actually cost you money. Or be a problem, but it's just an alternate way. Microtransactions. Microtransactions <laughs> on trophies, that'd be the want, worst. Want play coins faster? Just five bucks for five coins. That'd be so bad. But, uh, you know, knowing like some of the stuff bucks. Nintendo's been doing lately, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but the Hyrule Warriors costume DLC and stuff, I would not. That is so weird. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. But yeah, it, it's very weird. Uh, but yeah, so you use play coins, you get trophies that way. This is in addition to the mini games that get you trophies in the main modes, like you said, Jose. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it kind of undermines the whole idea of the trophies. I mean, originally trophies were supposed to be rewards for gameplay. They've since become collectibles to the side of gameplay. So if you look at it as a collectible, well, it's like of, whatever. I mean, in the, last, in the last game, in Brawl, um, they were, I guess, like on the side collectibles. But they yeah. also had their challenges board, which is like their equivalent of right. achievements. And right. every single one unlocked either like a song or trophy. Like I still have five left that are really hard to get. Like you have to beat... Um, Boss mode and intense, which is really hard. Yeah, I, really I mean it's like, called intense. <laughs> yeah, like like stuff along those lines. Like, so I mean, it'd be nice just to buy them, just to see what they are and just read about them. But yeah, I feel like for me it's great, but for like diehard Smash players, it kind of undermines the achievement of getting them. Because I mean, the store—they haven't said how many are in the store. Well, it might not be all of them, and they haven't a said a diehard Smash collector. Because I feel like a diehard Smash fan wouldn't really even really care. If, there, if you're a completist that wants to beat everything in the game, like, beat it. Like, claim you have beaten everything. This kind of undermines it. Granted, you don't have to do this. It's optional, but... Well, I guess it's they, just providing options. Well, I mean, he never said that all of them will be available. Maybe just, that's like, what the majority started, of them. Maybe, that's what I was maybe to say. Yeah. there'll be some, like, trophies exclusive. I mean, obviously, you're not going to be able to buy the 
the trophies you unlock like for beating like classic mode or story mode with a character because those are always like unlocked when you beat right. it with that character right. so I mean these are just the so, yeah so there's definitely going to be like these are probably just the trophies that just pop up randomly when you just grab them or stuff yeah like and that. that's what I started to say is um, we all know so if anything it doesn't undermine it right well yeah because that's what I started to say is we all know how many trophies are in the store and we don't know how often they rotate and we don't know where they're pulling from and we also don't know how quickly they'll have sales by the way some will be cheaper than others on certain days much like in Street Pass Plaza, where, yeah. you know, they rotate in the items once a day. But so it could be like that, and then this whole point's moot. Or he could, for all we know, actually throw every single trophy in, which you don't, obviously, you just said you don't think that's going to happen. I don't uh, think that's going to happen. But you never know well, what I mean, he's I, do. Well, I mean, the character trophies definitely won't be in there, like, guaranteed. Yeah. Like, guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. Or so you think. Who no, knows? No. He hasn't said. He hasn't it doesn't said. doesn't matter. It's guaranteed. Okay, if you think- say so guaranteed all right i you know what if he does throw them in i expect you to like give me a full refund of whatever money i paid towards your guarantee so zero dollars so I'll, I'll, I'll refund you your play coins that you spent on those trophies well i won't spend them because we know by launch day they're not gonna be there though you're probably right i think you're actually right i'm just saying he's thrown curveballs before i will mention though he did say there's more trophies in this smash than in any other smash no, he said there's a rumor <laughs> Rumor from the guy who decides the decision <laughs> that there is possibly more trophies than in Brawl. That's the weirdest way to word it. Well, he's just playing no, around. Yeah, he's but... Sakurai. He trolls. That's what he does. Um, I think the second bit of change-up news that he announced... It's not really a change-up. It's a new mode. But I think this is... There's no way anyone could skew it as being, oh, negative. Like, we, I was able to attempt to poke holes into the trophy store. I can't find a way. I take that back. They're I can't find a way. I can find an easy way. So what it is, is um, a new home run target practice style mode called target blast angry birds it's basically angry birds yeah at least that's kind of how it I'm looks in... like angry birds it does it, it sounds like angry instead birds. of using a slingshot you use a smash attack to hit a bomb not just a smash attack you, you or hit, something you, you touch a bomb the bomb starts counting down a time limit and you get do as much damage as physically possible in that time limit time runs out bomb goes flying the damage you did determines where you how far what? it goes I, I, I think um how early you hit it depends on when it will detonate. Because if you hit it, if you want, oh, yeah. if you want it to detonate right when it gets there, you wait closer to zero. But if you wanted to like hit something and then like, sure. roll around for a little bit, you hit it way before the countdown ends. Right, but I you... think that's oh where... okay. I think the countdown is when it will explode, and you just smash it over to the giant Angry Birds style. That might make more sense. Actually, thing. that might make more sense. Well, I'm gonna blame. Was it Joystick I pulled the synopsis from? I mean, this is based on I'm blaming. Post. Yeah, no, because I, I read it not directly from Everse, but some like secondhand, like some you know news site that was summarizing it, and they set a time limit. So either I misread, which is possible, or they misread, which is possible, or we're just idiots, which is likely. I will confirm it in the next few seconds. Yes. Uh, while you do that, time? I'll just say no. I was gonna say that. Um, yeah, what's kind of cool about it is. So once the bomb does explode, there's it's not just targets you're hitting. Like in target practice, there's like full structures that get destroyed. So it is pretty much Angry Birds without a slingshot. The interesting thing about it, and this is the one where I'm like, oh, I guess there could be some negative negativity you could find in it. Your scores that you earn will factor into your global smash power. Global smash power is that one yeah, magic number. Because that means kind of wacky, yo. Because you could play this like, I know, get really good at it, and then it's gonna be like, oh, I'm better than like a hundred thousand people in the world, but. You could have never played the regular fighting game. Now, again, much like Trophy Store, we don't know what he's going to do. There could be a cap. It could be you can earn up to 100 extra points on your Global Smash Power, or 100 on your score from this mode, and then it caps out. Like, we, we don't know. But for those who may not be as familiar, the Global Smash Power is your online ranking. 
It's a number they assign you that's you versus the rest of the world. How much better you are than other players in the world, like where you stand above other players. Yeah, well, I guess if I think of the Global Smash score, power, whatever, as how much better you are as Super Smash Brothers as a whole. As a, like as That's how he apparently wants yeah, you to think yeah, of it. Yeah, so it's about... Yeah, it's about how much better you are as someone at the whole game, not just at the versus mode. Yeah. So. But no, no. But again, it's kind of like even then, I guarantee, I don't think it's gonna be like endlessly. You can just keep tacking on scores. There's definitely gonna be a threshold or some sort of like, it's gonna be some sort of algorithm. The goal smash power. I was right. You're right. So yep. I blame. Was it so, joystick I sourced? Whoever I sourced, I blame them. So yeah, it just says I just to quote it. Blah, blah, blah. Once you touch the bomb, the countdown begins. Give it enough damage and launch it at the right time. Then once the bomb reaches zero, it explodes. You're right. So you just give it damage so you can send it farther. Right. And then you just hit it whenever. Yeah, it's like so when I was reading the synopsis of that, I was kind of like, on whatever side it was, I was kind of like, wait, so when, how do you know how far it goes? And I just thought, oh, it must be based on damage, but that makes a lot more sense. Okay. I mean, how far it goes is I'm going based straight on damage, to... but it's right. not... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going straight to the source from that for that for the future. Uh, but yeah, in terms of goal smash power, I just I think it's probably some sort of algorithm. So there is going to be a cap of how much uh, yeah. target blast is actually going to affect the score. So that will kind of avoid what you were saying. But I'm sure stu- I'm sure some PRs are going to be like it should strictly be fighting, only fighting based. So we'll yeah, see. I mean, I think here. Well, it's just because it's Nintendo. Like, why can't we just have a regular ranking system like Street Fighter or any Honestly, fighting game ever made? Excluding the fact that they're factoring in non-fighting stuff. Global Smash Power is literally a ranking system in reverse. That's all it is. Instead of going who's best, it goes who are you better than. So instead of showing you the top 100, it shows you the bomb 10,000. <laughs> so, like, in that sense, it is literally a ranking system. Just it's showing it you at the top instead of the bottom. It's at the bottom because that means you're, there is someone who's going to be better than no one. Yeah, there's going to be someone who has so a Global only, Smash it's rank It's going to make them one. feel worse. Like, would you rather have one person feel terrible or someone, going, or someone seeing how many losses they have at all times? Yeah. I mean, they could just suck it up. Yeah. Well... I don't know. Sakurai also said that they're, if you're doing for glory, it keeps track of wins and losses. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't said whether they're visible or not because that's what. The oh, there probably will power be power ranking scores well, supposed the, to replace. The power ranking just supposed to be your. I mean, they, he says global in the sense that it's international, but I think he also means global in terms of like you said, Smash as a whole. So I think the win loss stuff will factor into global Smash rank, and there'll be two separate numbers. Mm. So you might see a leaderboard in for glory of that sort of thing, and then this for, for the overall experience it's hard to say but yeah nintendo of course has to be nintendo this is like this is their th- friend codes to online accounts is this to online leaderboards like this <laughs> is their friend codes for competitive play basically he's trolling leaderboards yeah he's trolling leaderboards uh so it, it, i'm curious to see how i'm actually really curious to see how the community responds to this once it goes live like what do what do smash players actually think of the global smash power is it going to be something you know, something that they support, or they just get completely disregarded and come up with their own crazy tracking system or something. I mean, they did for Brawl and Melee just fine. You know, figure out all the tiers and figure out who ranks what and determine who, how you determine who's the best and all that. Yeah, but... So they I mean, could do it again. Yeah, but for that, like, you pretty much have to go to tournaments that are being sponsored by them or... Right. Yeah, so it's not like... They, it's I mean, not going to be official, yeah. They, they can't get everybody. I mean, this is... This is, I guess, Nintendo's way of ensuring they get everybody. This is Nintendo's, we're all about fun, no one's a loser approach. Yeah, even at the tournament in, um, in Comic-Con, they didn't have a winner's bracket and a loser's bracket like you normally do in any tournament. Sure, yeah. What you did a, they have? Yeah, the upper bracket and lower bracket. Ah, yes. They don't They're like, the, no one's a loser. They don't want to hurt the kids. And then, yeah, they don't want to hurt the kids' feelings. I mean, 
There's kids there. It's a public event. Well, I mean, if your Finneys get hurt that easily, why even enter a tournament? Because you're a little kid and you're like, I'm going to play! You enter a tournament to prove that you can beat people. Right, not to prove that you can be beaten. So a little kid that might have some ego <laughs> issues. <laughs> well, then, I don't know. He has some stuff to work out, I guess. Well, yeah, but he's young. This is a weird hypothetical situation we're discussing. Uh, so let's just completely change gears. One of the biggest things that happened these past couple weeks since our last episode was the Hyrule Warriors Direct. Uh, you know, it's the game's coming out in the at the end of September. We're coming up on that date pretty quickly, so Nintendo's actually giving us some gameplay details. Not just, like, hey, here's some more characters you can play as, like, actual meaty, like, here's how the game's structured, here are different modes, here's how it works. So we I kind didn't of... hear anything new except for that oldie Zelda... Mode. Well, a lot of the stuff that they announced was not previously announced for North America. It was in the Japanese streams. Like, Adventure Mode, that was new information. Yeah, that's, that was, like... The only Adventure thing. Mode is new information. Character upgrades wasn't previously announced for America. Character upgrades? You can upgrade characters. They have stats, and you can use items to enhance their abilities, yeah. Oh. Someone wasn't paying attention. Well, I knew the level-up thing was... Well, the level-up thing standard, yeah. But but you can do... Oh. Different items give you different abilities. Yeah. So, well, I guess we'll just run through it. Um, I do want to say before we start that, though. Nintendo. I like the idea of doing Nintendo Directs at an hour on, when most people are awake. At least on the Pacific Coast. And when they're not at work or something. So please, more Nintendo Directs at 8pm Pacific Time. That was awesome. It was nice to come home and just be like, oh cool, Nintendo News. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> with that said, we did we did talk a lot about Hyrule Warriors last episode, in episode 76, because we played it at Comic-Con. So, we're, it's, we're not going to talk too much about gameplay, it's more about the structural stuff, I guess. What Nintendo already talked about. So, uh, what we kind of talked about during the hands-on, I guess, is that each level... You have what are called keeps, and you have to, like, go clear out a keep, which is, like, a section of the level, like a room of the level. And then when you clear it out, you have to come back at times and make sure, you know, you have to monitor it. There's a tracker on the map that shows you if it's on your side or the enemy side. You have to go back, or it's on a computer opponent, to go claim it back if enemies start taking it over. So you're not only fighting forward, you also have to, like, look back and make sure the other stuff is okay, too. Um, and what we now know is that all these levels with their keeps are going to be strung together, obviously with the story mode, but also... Um, through how the characters develop, which we kind of touched on. There's, you know, you can stat upgrades like HP and attack strength, that's normal. But then there are those item upgrades I mentioned, which are a bit more interesting in that you get new items that get you, give, you, give you the ability to get badges. And these badges determine if you have certain things. For example, better attacks, more combos, uh, in extending your focus spear, which is your special attack when you hit A, as I talked about last episode. And you do like this crazy special move like Link does his spin, um, that sort of thing. So, uh, new special attacks even could be through these badges, apparently. So, um, that's kind of like the thing that strings it all together. You're not just button mashing and then going back and making sure that you button, that you don't need to re-button mash a previous section of a level. There's that, there's the strategy of not just within the level managing each keep, there's also now the strategy of figuring out which item you want to use and how you go forward and that sort of thing. So, a bit better than just straight up, uh, button mashing, as we were kind of saying last episode. And also, uh, the bigger battle, the better the item. And there's some crazy items that they showed. There's one where you can literally pull down the moon from Majora's Mask, and it just crashes it into enemies. It's a really small moon. It's kind of a disappointing moon. Yeah. It's like a half moon. Except it's a full moon. But it's so, yeah, it's it's sad. And then there's also, but there are, and then there's like the hook shot, which is normal. But my favorite item by far that they showed was they're bringing back the Chain Chomp, which for most people is a Mario character, but did have an appearance randomly in Link's Awakening on Game Boy original Game Boy. So, um, yeah, he's now a weapon, and you throw him around as a weapon, and he even does his little barking animation when you're just carrying him around and stuff. Like yeah, it's... he replaces the, the ball and chain. No, that's in there, too. No, that's not that he replaces it. No, that's... They're in... the same item. Like, it's just the... Like, a oh, texture I see swap right, or right, right. the ball and chain. Yeah, the ball and chain does something interesting in that when you throw it on the ground, 
I couldn't tell what was going on from the footage, but basically you drop it down on the ground and the level spins in upside down for a second. It, like, does a gravity thing, and the level literally, the screen literally spins around it for a minute. And when you come back, all the enemies are on the ground. So it's like they got thrown in the air and then thrown back down when you drop that ball and chain. But yeah, chain chomp's like a traditional ball and chain by comparison. With a face, of course. Um, and the, uh, what was I going to say? And in addition, I guess in addition to Core Story, we kind of talked about it, but Adventure Mode is another thing they're doing. And that's um, basically you have this overworld of the original NES Zelda divided into a grid, and you go square by square, uh, defeating and doing different little missions. It's not a full level; it's just like defeat X number of enemies, or you know, defeat this boss. It's like or a mission mode. Thing. It's a mission mode, and then as you complete the missions, you unlock new squares. You progress through the map, and those squares give you new items, give you new characters that you can't get in main story mode. And on top of that, there's online support for this mode as well. Um, and in Game, Game Informer interview with the development team um, is revealed that you can enable something called Network Link, which is a great pun because it's actually about links that you download from the network, as in like the character. And basically how it works is there's going to be computer-controlled links based on other players' stats that can pop up in your adventure mode if you turn on the feature. So you can be going to do a mission and there's another link or someone fighting the mission already and if you help them you get a bonus item in addition to whatever item you would normally get. So it's just a little random element to throw in. And what I think would be kind of cool, they haven't said one way or another, but it'd be cool if it, if it was, like, if it designated your friends versus strangers, and if, like, there's me-verse integration. That'd be cool if you could look at the link and it actually could take you to that person's profile. Link could link you to their profile, and or that sort of thing. Like, it, it's kind of a neat idea. It's like an asynchronous uh, multiplayer feature. Kind of almost like a ghost mode for Hyrule Warriors. Pretty cool. Yeah, it could be neat. I mean, that mode seems pretty intriguing. Yeah, and I do like the throwback to the old NES Zelda. It's a nice touch. Um... Uh, but I mean, you t- you said right after the direct, you tweeted that it still didn't look like it was enough to sell you. Is it just not your genre, or I wouldn't say it's a genre. Just I don't know, because you, you you saw Cause, cause in made... action at Comic Con, and then you saw structural stuff. So what, what what's the thing that's making you go? I don't know. Is it just uh, just doesn't catch your interest? Yeah, just nothing about it. Just seems really like it doesn't grab me in any way. I feel like because only... I mean, it's funny because like. I definitely like Zelda, but I guess like I can like confidently say like I'm not as big of a Zelda fan as probably you. Like, well, you don't play that many of them. That's like true. I've only you watched them. Like, <laughs> like I really like the ones I've played. Like I really liked like Wind Waker and Minish Cap, which aren't even represented here. So right. Well, Wind Waker is sure Zelda has the Wind Waker well, yeah, as a weapon. Like, barely. That's all I've got. Zelda has a Wind Waker. So it's as like a I mean, unless like they, I don't know, unless there was more stuff about those games. Like I don't know, just. Yeah, I, I do want to revise... It's like, it's like what, just there. Yeah, I, mean, I, guess. I get what you mean. I do want to revise what I've been saying about how Nintendo's been throwing in every possible Zelda reference Cause I mean, you can think oh, of. Yeah, because like, even like, oh, like throwing in the chain chop, like, oh, that doesn't make me want it more. Because right. it's just the ball... Like, the way I say it is like, oh, it's just the ball and chain with a reskin. Like, oh, what's sure. this? Oh, it's just the reskin of this. Oh, it's just the reskin of that. Well, that's the thing. Well, or when sure. I, Or when I see, like, all the different weapons, it's not like Monster Hunter where, like, every weapon... Um, like, you have to change the way you play. Like, you're still mowing down the enemies in the exact same way, no matter what weapon you pick. Like, what, you, what you're fighting with just makes it seem inconsequential with well, how you play. yes and no. I mean... Like, it's just... You're, it's, just, you're just changing the visuals and animation. Right. All the enemies are still getting blown away. Like, it just changes how it looks, but it doesn't change how you play. No, that's a, good, that's a really good point. That's, that's something... That, that, I think that's something I know, we noticed when we were watching at Comic-Con when I was playing it, is that, like... So like managing, it didn't matter how I did it. I was still mowing down it. Yeah, like, managing keeps good. Like, I mean, that could be fun and on its own. But I yeah. guess, like... I don't know. It's, like... 
it looks like there's a lot of variety, but I guess there really isn't. It really is just like a fan service game. Yeah, which is why I'm into it. But then even then, they screwed up the fan service <laughs> because now there's only, it turns out, only three core Zelda games being represented. Which, uh, so all this time I'm like, oh yeah, it's like Zelda. It's like they threw in everything and the kitchen sink. Nope, they left out about half of the kitchen. Sure, they may have thrown the sink in, but the rest of the kitchen I mean, they, still they, there. They, the they, threw in, still they threw in, I guess, the most well-known than slash recent Zeldas. Wind Waker's totally left out. Yeah. Uh, except so the baton. Maybe the King of Red Lions will have an appearance. They, they, they threw in the Zelda that were well, that were best received. Yeah, <laughs> they threw in the most. Because Wind Waker wasn't the most Zelda y Zeldas you can Zelda. Yeah, that's yeah. basically what they did. But they did throw in one other thing at the end of the direct, though, which most Zelda fans totally geeked out about. Yeah, see, the, this this didn't help either. Like when I saw the custom, I'm like, oh, like I mean, I really like um, I love like Ocarina of Time. Hold on, and stuff. Let me say what they did. But, yeah. <laughs> For those who may not have seen the direct, Ganondorf, playable character. He, they also confirmed that Zant and uh, all Zant the people that we thought him, were bosses. Everyone that was every bad guy that were like, oh, they're scarring like a playable character. We'll tell you what they're. You know, these last few episodes we're doing character profiles. All of those are playable, and Gandorf is the demon king of them all. But uh, so yeah, you're starting to say about the costumes. It's probably worth knowing for for Hyrule Warriors has a brand new design. It's kind of a weird mashup of a few different ones. But then they're also doing DLC costumes for Zelda, Link, and Ganondorf. So Ganondorf is the easiest to get. If you register the game on Club Nintendo on the first month it releases, in other words, it's like an early purchase incentive, uh, they will give you both his Ocarina of Time look in HD and his Twilight Princess look in HD. And you can play as either of those or his new design at any time, which is kind of cool, which is what you're starting to say. Now, you want, if you want to continue, I, I cut you off there. No, well, I mean, I think you alluded to it earlier that they're retailer ex- exclusive. Not Ganon, the others. Oh, yeah, the others. Yeah, so that, that part, Ganondorf is kind of cool. The sucky thing... And then is the other Club ones. Nintendo exclusive ones too. So. Ganondorf is Club Nintendo. So as long as you register a game on Club Nintendo, which is a nice, you know, perk for Club Nintendo fans and a way to get people to actually register their games and sign up and give them survey data, you'll get Ganondorf. That I don't have a problem with. That's fine. Uh, the thing I don't like personally is that they're going to have DLC available for Skyward Sword costumes, Twilight Princess costumes, and Ocarina of Time costumes. And as you said, they're retailer specific. So if you want all set, all the sets, all nine costumes good luck i don't know how you're even gonna do that like game because yeah, i mean like costumes like costumes yeah. are very common like pre-order bonuses like i, I, I get that that's fine but i mean when why you are they put, split but when you make them well like even in um like transformers from yeah. cybertron like i remember if you pre-ordered it like a gamestop you get um a costume for for optimus prime if you pre-ordered in this place you get like this other gun so like one way or another you're gonna be missing yeah. something yeah I should... but then later they sold it like everything together. That's what Nintendo's gonna do. But I mean, for this one, like, I couldn't understand if they were like, "Oh, summer clothes for all the characters." Like, right. that's like for GameStop, and then I guess, um, I don't know, all the characters dressed in Hyrule traditional Hyrule Warrior. I mean, Dynasty Warrior clothing. That's like sure, for Amazon. Yeah. But I guess like when they separate like core Zelda game costumes, like I don't know, they just seem like so yeah vital to the fan service like i feel like they should have been included yeah it's it's dumb because like if i want ocarina of time for example i need to get it at gamestop if i want twilight princess at least based on what's been revealed up in canada amazon's where i go skyward sword who knows probably best buy but they haven't so even said what are you gonna do well here's the thing um first i'm pretty sure like you said they're gonna be sold at some point i think what happened i think what happened here is tecmo koei's div- or sorry now they're koei tecmo koei tecmo used to be tecmo koei they reversed it yeah, I'm not kidding. Uh, they I believe uh, you. no, she's like it's super weird that they'd be like, hey, let's let's just make it alpha, uh, alphabetical order instead of not. But yeah, they um, they do this all the time. It's a really common practice. It's a really crappy. I hate this practice in the game industry. The idea of like where you buy it 
determined. Like, it should be the same. You're still buying it. You're still paying the money. Give give them the thing. It's dumb. Anyway, point being, well, they are probably the ones... Well, I guess want to go there more than another, because they're all different companies at the end, and they all want to make money. But it's the game no, maker no. at the end who's making the money, and should be the one that gets to determine, you know... They should be the one that tells the store, no thanks, we're going to give everyone the same gift. Well, not... then isn't it the store sometimes like paying more to get... Yeah, GameStop does that, actually. They're not Nintendo. They're not doing that with Nintendo, though, because oh. it's an equal opportunity thing. GameStop could do... Like, GameStop, what game was it? One of their games, they have exclusive level only at GameStop. You have to buy it at GameStop to get bonus. Pre-order at GameStop to get bonus level. I hey, wasn't don't that remember also the game. Is, oh, no, never mind. I was going to say, wasn't that the case with Mario Golf? I remember you mentioning that there was like a Target Golf stage. Yeah, but all those codes, they were just codes and you can oh, get them okay. online. Yeah. So there were alternative oh, methods. Cool. There are not alternative methods. Yeah, Hollywood, Bayou, and Target. There are not alternative methods for this. And just to be clear for anyone who doesn't know what to talk about, that's a Toadstool Tour, the GameCube Mario Golf, not World Tour. So don't go Googling for 3DS Target codes. They don't exist. But, um, what was I starting to say? Yeah, I just don't like this practice because it's like, it doesn't reward the fans in any way. It divides them up and makes it harder for fans to be fans. But personally, I don't and know. Maybe one of them feels like, oh, not everybody loves every Zelda game equally, so they would actually appreciate this because they might not care about <laughs> Skyward Sword. But, or, but, but or then why don't they just give you all three at once? I, know, I, know. I mean, what it really is, I know. You're just being, I know. You're being devil's be. advocate. Uh, but no, it's it's just Koei Tecmo loving money. <laughs> and Nintendo going, well, you're developing it, so... I'm hoping Nintendo's just going, well, you're the developer, we'll let you determine this. But in reality, Nintendo needs money, that might be that. But yeah, so what am I going to do to get back to your question from like 20 minutes ago? Uh, I don't know. Because I'm sure... If I were you, I would just have the mentality like, they're going to be sold later, so I'll just get the one I really want now. I'm never going to buy them. That's the other stupid thing. Then maybe like five months later, they'll have like the costume pack. Yeah, maybe costume pack them. one, costume pack two. Yeah, they'll definitely still sell them separately. But that's the or thing. they'll have I a would... bundle for cheaper. Yeah, that's how Nintendo does it. That's the thing, though. I would never buy these independently. Why would I want to spend three or four bucks of real money to make Link look slightly different in a game that's not even the game he's looking... You know what I mean? Like, could you love like, the game that much? I guess. if I, I mean, if I love Ocarina of Time that much, I could just go back and play it. I own four copies on different systems. Like, yeah, but you're not playing as Ocarina of Time Link on Hyrule Warrior, though. So? <laughs> I mean, I'm being kind of, maybe I'm being j- like, kind of like closed-minded on this, but my attitude well, is no, like... Well, it's the same thing I that get, I was thinking about, like... The reskins on items, like, it doesn't yeah. change it. But, I mean, I don't know, I guess costumes... Well, the know. items are a little different, because different items can have different effects on characters and stuff. But, at like, the end of the day, it's all the same mowing, yeah. yeah this one, like, literally, there's no difference except visual, whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Zero. So, I mean, if it was free, I'd love it. And I'd be like, oh, I, lo- I really like the look of, like, Ocarina of Time. Like, or I love Ga- I lo- Ganondorf's Ocarina of Time look. And so, that's a bad example, because he's free. But it's, just, you know, that's a classic. So, you don't like, um... Having to purchase costumes in general, right? Yeah, I think I'm just against the idea because it's just like, for example. What about in fighting games, though? Same. Well, I guess it depends. Of, if I was competitive, I might be more open to it because personally, for a fighting game, because like if you're playing the that's car- you, that's your fighter. Yeah. It's you putting on. It's like wrestling. You put on a. Uh, you want to customize them a little. Yeah, you put. More you have a personality that goes with you as a fighter. For Zelda, I'm still Link. I'm still <laughs> swirling my sword around and say, yeah, a lot and nothing else. Like, I don't necessarily need to pay money for a new costume. I mean, they if look, they gave them for free, I would love it. Yeah, and I mean, they all look, I mean, they're obviously all different, but they all still look similar enough that they're all like, oh, they're all still green tunicked. Yeah. Links at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's the thing is they're not even it's, that it's, different. It's not like, yeah, it's not like, I guess, um going back to fighting games, like fighting game costumes where they actually look completely different. Like, mm-hmm. just like for one, like there's a Zangief, you know, yeah, Street Fighter. Yeah, like there's a DLC costume that makes them look like a robot, like complete See, that's with like cool. complete with like light up parts and sure. everything. It looks cool. That's cool because if you're like playing competitively or playing online, which 
Twi which Drive Twilight Princess, which Hyrule Warriors doesn't have. If you're playing online and you want to have a unique personality, a unique fighter, someone that represents you, I can understand why you would pay digital money towards it. Or real money towards a digital costume. It lets you have, like, a... Yeah. You become... You're not just Jose playing online. You are, like, Wero. No, yeah, and this is who Wero is. I mean, also, like, like the Wars average person that, that actually, like, really plays those games usually tends to just play that game for a long right. time, which means they don't buy other games, so it makes sense so for them to money. keep investing yeah. in that game. It does. But Hyrule Warriors isn't kind of in that boat, I feel. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, we've never played... I've never played, like, a whole Dynasty Warriors game before or any, so I don't know how long they actually do last. Especially yeah. for completionists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Well, my, yeah, my main thing is, like, even if you do buy the costume, you're the only one seeing it. Or maybe your friend, if you're coming over. And by maybe the way... Maybe the ghost data, it will show the different link. Okay, I'm one of three. Great. Well, I'm Skyward Third Link fighting alongside Ocarina of Time Link. Mind blown. Actually, that would be kind of cool. Well, I didn't, make, I didn't want it to sound like it wasn't a bad thing. That, no, I know, yeah. I know. But actually, that would be kind of cool. Now that I think about it, yeah. that might be the idea behind <laughs> the costumes, now that you mention it. But... I, I don't know, it just feels it just feels weird to me. I mean, for example, do you know that Kim... Kar this is a weird analogy. You know that Kim Kardashian game on iPhone and Android that's blowing up right now? It's, like, number one on all the charts. Uh -huh. it's, it's, like, Kim Kardashian's Hollywood Life. It's, like, the, it made Glue Mobile $200 million already off in-app purchases, which is insane. Point being, they sell clothes that you can put on your character in the game. Do you know, because you're a fashionista. You're a... You're a Kim Kardashian-esque celebrity who does nothing but somehow makes a ton of money. Uh, and then marries Kanye West. Um, you, could pay, you could pay for your own clothes. There is a dress in the game that costs $100. Oh my god, really? Or no, sorry, sorry, $10. $10. Still. Still. <laughs> Did you say $100 first? I ruined the... Yeah, I like $10 now doesn't sound that bad, even though it is. I misspoke. Yeah, it's a $10 little black dress that you put on your digital character. No one else sees your digital character. It's for yourself and your collection. And when you, if you take a screenshot and post it on Twitter and like, look at me, I'm up to the C list in the celebrity rankings or whatever. But ten real dollars. At least with Zelda, I guess you began like three costumes for like four bucks when they released it or whatever. But ten real dollars for one dress that literally does nothing, except gets you one step closer closer to that uh, Kim Kardashian lifestyle that everyone's aspiring to. I mean, unless they are released for free later. I mean, we don't really know. They probably won't be. No, but, no, no. On yeah. a game like that, Glue Mobile's milking it for all they can. No, no, no. I'm talking about those other ones. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All this would be moot if they were free. We just spent 10 minutes <laughs> talking about a thing that may not even happen, but it was an interesting discussion, just the idea of, like, where where do you draw the line with DLC, basically? Speaking like, of when DLC. is it okay? And speaking of drawing the line with DLC, thank you, Mario Kart 8 has some DLC coming up. That, once again, raises the question of where do you draw the line? Because yeah, for this one, I said it's not completely free. We it's really, a little we, more... we, we really can't complain. But it's e so weird. Even if, like, um, like even though we're getting the Mercedes cars, like, three different types, actually. Yeah. If we were getting, like, cars shaped like really ridiculous-looking animals that everyone just thought were stupid, like, <laughs> since it's free, like, no one's gonna, like, really complain. Like you The can't... only reason you can even complain with Lil is because basically your game's becoming an advertisement. Because, yeah, oh, there are three cars... Yeah. And one of them, they announced a while ago the GLA, which is their new, like, mid-size Honestly, I whatever. really like how one of them looks. I yeah, like, I like the, the, the silver arrow. The, the silver one. arrow. Sure. The silver arrow. <laughs> yeah, so you got the GLA as one, and that's their new car that they're pushing in Japan. It's like a mid-size sedan or whatever, or a crossover SUV or something. The car everyone wants, or whatever yeah. little tagline. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. But then the other two are actually kind of cool, because one of them is this Roadster. I think it's called, like, the 300 SL Roadster, and it's from the 50s, and it's like a classic Mercedes. And then there's one from the 30s, which is the silver arrow, which, as you said, looks like a pickle. It's like an old race car, like an old like F1 race car of the 30s, I think. Which Wasn't is... there a Mario Kart car called the Cucumber? Yeah, it's pretty similar. On the DS, I think? It, it looks similar, and it has a similar name, according to you. Oh. 
But a pickle cucumber. I mean, a, pi a pickle is just, a cucumber is pickled to become a pickle. So this, if you took the cucumber made silver, you have the silver arrow or the silver pickle. How many packs of pickled peppers can Peter Piper pick? Peter Piper pick pickled peppers, pepper picker pick have Pokemon. Anyway, I'm just saying p words now. No, but um, yeah. So those three cards are completely free. And the nice thing is when the DLC goes live on August 27th, they aren't automatically downloaded with the DLC. They become an option in the game to download. So Nintendo's not shoving these cars down your throat. They're just heavily pushing them in your direction. Because not only is there the cars, there's also going to be a Mercedes Cup tournament. From August 27th through... You only allowed those cars? I don't know. But from August 27th to September the trailer 23rd... trailer great, though, with everybody using a Mercedes That's what I was going to get at, is that trailer really... I was like, what is this? I mean, I really like that... Um. I mean, at first I thought it was just going to be like, oh, everyone's going to have to use the standard black car or whatever car, the, the silver one. But They then, are like, customizable. Yeah, that's it. Like, every single car is, like, it goes with the character. Well, Wario had a W emblem. Like, Yoshi has a white car. I thought it would have a green one. Someone else had Yeah, well, you, and you can also customize the Mercedes to actually, much like any other car, you can add a different glider, different wheels. Yeah. In fact, the GLA comes with a special set of wheels that no other cart has. So there's that, too. I wonder what... I mean, like, so far, cards come in different categories. Like, yeah. they don't really have... There's only, like, four different kinds of cards. The rest are just reskins. Yeah. So, I'm wondering, like, which one will be, like, the same as the the F1 Formula car. Probably the Silver Arrow pickle-looking thing. Probably, yeah. And I'm wondering, yeah, I'm just wondering where the other ones will... will yeah, be. it'll be interesting to see. But what I find kind of interesting is that tournament. So, like, Nintendo, Nintendo's not... Like I said, they're not really showing the entire just kind of heavily pushing it on us. So, the tournament, there's got to be... I don't remember. If you go to online play right now, is there a competition menu? There's a there's tournament. Oh, well, now it's going to be called competition, apparently, in the update or something. And then when you click it, it'll be like Mercedes Cup. And there'll be a new new races every day that you can compete in. Probably, like you said, it's probably going to be Mercedes only. But the uh, the trailer... Yeah, I, I don't know. That trailer was weird. It was like... I felt like <laughs> someone put a Mercedes ad inside my Mario Kart. And I didn't like it. I did not really like it. <laughs> it was just so weird to see the entire Mushroom Kingdom all driving different types of mercedes it's extremely strange but i don't know I, I i liked it it was weird enough it was weird just because it, it was weird but I, it wasn't like the the unappealing weird to me it was like the like oh, i don't even nice. know if it was unappealing i was just like dumbstruck by it was i don't it, know what to think are they too realistic and not cartoony enough the, uh, the, like, the, kinda, the two older the art style kind of matches the, with them the two older cars are fine the silver arrow fits in perfectly that uh roadster fits in pretty well but the gla looks kind of out of place it looks kind of like a Power Wheels. It looks like a Power Wheels, so yeah. That kind of makes which, it, which is funny, because there's now a Mario Kart Power Wheel in real life, so they, they trade places. But uh, but no, it's just like, I don't know what I think of it. I can't decide if I think it's good or not. It's just was weird. Like, I was sitting there watching, it's just like, what what is happening? <laughs> Why are there Mercedes everywhere? But at least the one thing Tons is kind of smart is they're not just making the DLC a Mercedes update. They're also adding actual stuff so people will actually like the update and not just go, Why are they shoving ads into my game? Like, they're doing a little more. So what they're doing is actually kind of nice, is they're adding a bunch of rec long-requested features. So we're finally going to have the ability to watch the map on the TV as we play, opposed to just on the game plaid. Game plaid? Game pad. The game plaque. The game plaque. No, but, uh... Yeah, that was a big... That was actually one of my biggest complaints about Mario Kart, was if we're playing multiplayer and, let's say, you, Jose, are using a game pad, I don't have a map. I don't have the list of items people have or anything like that. Now that will be on the TV. At least mm, the map will. Just the map, not the list of items. But they could figure out a way to show both if they need to they can put yeah, an item icon the... next to each character you never know um, yeah i mean everyone only gets one item so that, that's yeah so it's doable 
Actually, I think. But either that's way, how it you have strategy. Sonic All Stars. Like, I think they actually yeah. just like show little item icons. I hope they do that. All they confirmed is the map. But even if it was just a map, the fact is you knew where people were when you were racing us, and you could strategize, and we were driving blind essentially. So it's nice that they're well, addressing. I don't that. know, like. It wasn't a deal breaker, but yeah, there were it, times it, it, that it, it was like, just something that you had to adapt to. Like, I mean, but that's the thing. I would what? say I would say like ninety percent of the time, it really doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter to you where everyone else is because you should be driving the way you should be driving. You should be driving perfectly, essentially. <laughs> I mean, well, if you uh, play uh, the game perfectly, uh, nothing matters. As, perfe- as perfectly as you can. Like, I mean, if you're doing what you're doing correctly, like, sure. I mean, it doesn't matter where they are. They're gonna hit you with something regardless. It doesn't matter how far away they are. The blue shell's still gonna hit you. Yeah, but you can but, know if they're, if they're right behind you with a green shell or not. Well, then you could just look behind you with the button. Well, I mean, out of you could always see directly behind you if they're off to the side and at an angle. Or, yeah, I mean, know, there's ways the map for, can for, be useful. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the only map that's useful for like super close-ups is the one on the gamepad where you actually see super zoomed in and you can actually see where the shells are going and stuff. Right, right. But um, the only other like really good use for the map that I guess we didn't have now was um, strategical usage of the lightning bolt. Yes. Because now you can wait for people to go over pits and use them as before. It's like, oh, I don't know where the or the pack is. I'll just use it blindly. Right. And see, you had that advantage when we played multiplayer, but then the rest of us wouldn't, hypothetically. I mean, you you might not have looked that much, but you had the option and we didn't. So you had the edge if you chose it. Yeah. So that's that. I'm glad they're addressing. Um, beyond that, they're also adding kind of a cool feature where you'll be able to change the camera angles on other people's Mario Kart TV videos. So Which seems like a no-brainer that they should yeah. let you do that. So but. presumably when you press A, kind of like when you're playing, um, when you're spectating someone's match. Yeah. Like, if you think if you hit A or, well, no, when you hit X or Y, you change it from either, like, rear view, like you're, like you're playing yeah. as a character, or the dynamic one. So yeah, so I'm assuming that's to, it. It sound, the way I read it, it sounds like you're able to change camera angles, plural, not just do dynamic versus behind. So, you like, might be able to have full control. Like, it might download whoa, the raw file opposed to the edited file or something. That's kind of crazy. But I don't know if that's entirely if it's accurate. that case. That would be kind of cool. I'm not not going to lie. That would be kind of cool. They also swapped the next race. I would really love there to be, like, a free roam mode where you just, like, have the race go and you could, like, move, like, a camera like it's on, like, on the Lakitu. In other words, what Nintendo really does for their trailers. And just, like, see, like, a bird's eye view of the whole track and just watch right. it. Right. What Nintendo does for their trailers, for Mario Kart trailers, where they use yeah. all these cra- crazy Basically. camera angles that don't Yeah, let us play with that. Yeah, that would be fun. That'd be a cool uh, feature, include a future update. But yeah, they also switched uh, next race and watch replay buttons when you complete a race. There's so many times we be like, ready for next race, but it's the second option and then hit watch replay and be like, no, not that. So they're addressing that for me personally. And... Um, yeah, we do that too. Don't yeah, you? I know, just joking. And they're also finally adding stats. Weirdly missing from this Mario Kart were stats, like your most used character, your win-loss record, your uh, total everything. points collected, <laughs> everything. And those, those yeah, at least like those for, things for are For the longest time before I unlocked the, the Golden Glider, like, I'm like, how many coins do I have? Like, I literally have no idea. Yeah. Like, I just figured, like, okay, I guess within the next thousand coins I get it. I mean, there was just no way to know. That might have just been an oversight on their part. Except just playing more. Yeah. Like, eventually I got it, but, yeah, that was way later. But, yeah, so they're adding all of that. In, as well as the ability to remember your last cart setting. So when you start up a new race, they'll remember your configuration from the last race. And Well, do they mean after you turn when it you off? Turn Cause it off I, yeah, because it already yeah. does that. It does that if you go race to race. But yeah. if you like leave and come back, you'll still remember what you use. So you have to re-remember or reset up every time, which is nice. So those are some good additions, and they kind of help balance out any sort of skepticism you may have about the Mercedes DLC. But the, the, one, thing, the, the one real takeaway with the Mercedes thing, to me at least, is... 
Remember a while ago, Iwata was saying that, like, oh, Nintendo's going to do new partnerships and license characters in new ways in order to, like, bring in additional revenue? Well, here you go. This is one of those ways. I would not be surprised if we start seeing, assuming this works remotely well, assuming a decent chunk of people download the Mercedes DLC, I would not be surprised if we see um, more of this in the future. Mercedes is already super happy with the campaign. The commercial with that real-life Mario that they aired in Japan actually increased showroom traffic in their Japanese showroom significantly, enough that one of their executives actually went on record saying the Mario campaign has helped us tremendously. So, well, from Mercedes' perspective, they're a happy customer or happy licensee of Mario, so we're probably going to start seeing more of this stuff. Nissan, Toyota. <laughs> Nissan, Zelda, Toyota, Metroid. Yeah, it's just all going to be cars. But I don't even know what other ones would make sense. I mean, Metroid... Energy UFC drink, energy drink Smash from Brothers. Metroid. <laughs> UFC <laughs> Smash Brothers. One of their alternates just says like a black shirt that just says UFC on it, and that's it. That'd be such a lame crossover, <laughs> but I would not put it past them. But yeah, at the end of the day, Nintendo needs some money, so I guess whatever it takes, as long as it doesn't weaken the experience, right? And the Mercedes thing is kind of funny. It's just also extremely, extremely weird. But but speaking of Nintendo needing money, uh, money, Nintendo, money. Uh, their financials came out for the first quarter of twenty fourteen. This covers April 1st to June 30, 31st for those... Wait, June is 31 days, right? Or is that July? No. Whatever, the end of June. It covers the June first of April. 31. Okay, so that's what I thought. So it covers the end April through June, and that was the Mario Kart 8 release period. So you would think Nintendo would have very good numbers, and, well, they're not quite as good as you would hope. For this quarter... For the fourth quarter in a row, this is the fourth time this has happened, Nintendo experienced an operating loss, this time to the tune of $92.7 million. That's a fair amount of money to lose. Um, a chunk of that loss you can actually blame on lagging 3DS sales. If you look at the numbers of April, June of last year, so 2013, the 3DS managed to sell 1.4 million units worldwide and 11 million pieces of software. A lot of that was driven by Animal Crossing New Leaf, of course, which launched in the West in June of 2013 and sold super, super well. This year, they did not have Animal Crossing, so numbers were significantly lower. Is still in the stores? Well, they didn't have it as a new release. You knew what I meant. Uh, the 3DS this year, from this April or June, sold 820,000, which is a significantly lower amount than 1.4 million. And they also had software drop from that 11 million to 8.57 million. So, like I said, um, Animal Crossing is partly to blame. I mean, we also talked about this with June's MPD numbers last episode. That we knew there's no way Tomodachi Life could get anywhere near the same number of sales as Animal Crossing. And it did exceed Nintendo's expectations, so it is doing well, but not well enough. And when you also have Mario Golf released this past quarter, and you had Kirby released this past quarter, Mario Golf, granted, was kind of a non-starter because the sales weren't that great, but Kirby sold pretty well. And yet neither of those and Tomodachi Life combined could help keep the 3DS at the numbers it was at last year, so... It's not just an American issue, either. Over in Japan, uh, the 3S lineup was actually comparable. 2014 and 2013, they, had, they both had huge games over in Japan. Um, and yet, hardware's down there as well. It's not just here. And it's down there a lot. If you look at the first half of 2013, they sold 2.13 million 3DS systems, Japan alone. If you look at the first half of 2014, they sold 1.24 million. They basically sold a million less, for no apparent reason. They had Uni Watch Two or whatever it's to, whatever it's called, which is like this huge level five game. Sold million like a million copies in a week or something. That didn't help jump the sales back up. They've had you know all sorts of other games. They had Kirby over there. They had plenty and nothing really propelled it. So the question just kind of people becomes: People just don't want 3D others anymore. I get yeah. It's like it's hitting a weird saturation point way too early in its life. I mean, the bigger cause of concern is there's nothing to even get you anywhere remotely 
interested in a 3DS until, the, until like, the end of fall. I mean, yeah, there's Smash Bros. in October, and there's Pokemon in November, you know, here in the States. But between now and October, there's nothing to sell the 3DS. Phoenix Wright versus Ace Attorney, that's going to do pretty well for the fans that already probably own 3DSs. And there might be a few couple hundred or thousand. Yeah, but it's that not really one. something you it's buy. It's not a system seller. For. Fantasy Life. Well, I mean, I know they're like a diehard fan, but that's just. But like, it's a minimum. Yeah, that's yeah, not it's a niche be... thing. Yeah, and then like Fantasy Life in September. Same, I think it's September. Same issue. They're... That's not a system seller. It could be a sleeper hit. Could end up being like Bravely Default, but it's not a system seller. So, so Nintendo's gonna have to figure it out. I'm not quite sure what <laughs> what they can do, but um, you have to figure something out because the 3DS is now falling behind. And it's, it's a problem because, you know, Nintendo would always be like, oh, it's outpacing the sales of DS at this point. It's doing so well compared to DS. That's true until the point where it stopped doing so well. And as you may have noticed, Nintendo hasn't made those DS-3DS comparisons in quite a while. Because we're now in the phase of the 3DS life where back from the DS, this is where it exploded. We're past the point where the DS Lite came out and Mario and Brain Age and Nintendogs and everything propelled it to these astronomical numbers. 3DS is now trending nowhere near as well. Wii is faring better than in the past, though. So that's good. Um, thanks in large part to Mario Kart 8, of course. Worldwide sales of Mario Kart 8 have actually already been 2.82 million units. That's in one month worldwide. Well, that's First of all, that makes it the third best-selling Wii U game ever in a month. It also represents more than half of all Wii U software sales that occurred between April and June worldwide, which is kind of insane. It helped boost software sales from 1.09 million in this quarter, or, uh, this quarter of last year, so, you know, April to June 2013, 1.09 million, to 4.39 million this year. That's a huge jump in software sales. And it's a, it also led to a nice hardware sale jump, 219% increase, which is, for Wii U, that's like saying, you're right, okay, if you go from, if you, you know, if you grow 219% from four, that doesn't get you very high. But it's still, it's still pretty respectable. I mean, it went from selling 160 Wii U consoles worldwide from April to June 2013, you know, last year, to 510,000 sold in the period this year. And half a million is certainly good. So the problem is, it's not good enough. Sales aren't higher. Nintendo wants to sell 3.6 million Wii U's between now and next March 31st, the end of their fiscal year. And if one quarter, with Mario Kart launching, they were only able to sell half a million, they're going to have to pick up the pace in the remaining quarters if they want to uh, sell those remaining 3 million. So I don't know if Smash Bros. will be enough or what, but they're going to have to do something. And it doesn't help that 80% of all of those Mario Kart 8 purchases thus far have gone to existing Wii U owners. Only 20% of Mario Kart purchases... If you do the math and look at like the difference in the sale, sale uptick of Mario Kart versus how many Mario Karts were sold and everything, and the sale tick, or sale uptick of the Wii U versus how many Mario Karts were sold, only 20% went to new people. So they do... Nintendo always says it's an evergreen title, has a long tail, it's going to do fine in the long term. But they almost have sold it to like the vast majority of Wii U owners already. So... Well, not the vast majority, but about half. So they're gonna need to figure out. They're gonna need to step up the marketing or something. Cause yeah, it's selling 2.83 million, 82 million. Sorry, but that's a lot of people who already own a Wii U. They need to get people who don't own a Wii U to start buying it more. So I expect we're gonna see some marketing upticks. We already seen a little. And Tom put out this bizarre Disney Channel style like infomercially thing for Mario Kart hosted by a random dude. dude. Yeah. It was bad. It was aimed at kids, obviously, but. It, it was, yeah. So, Nintendo's going to probably be doing a lot more of that. A lot more. And they started promoting Mario Kart pretty heavily on their Twitter again this past week. I don't know if you saw that. So, um... Some of them say that don't challenge Kirby in an eating contest. Yeah, he did say that. That one was nonsensical. Wasn't even promoting anything. <laughs> but, but yeah, in terms of um, Mario Kart, I expect to see marketing ramp up even further. So, 
Wii U's doing better, but not as best as it could. And I think, if nothing else, what's really becoming clear from these financials is that the Wii U and the 3DS are essentially Nintendo's new GameCube and Game Boy Advance. It's the same. They're you know they're both they both have good lineups. They both have lots of good games. They're both uh, having games that actually sell well once in a while. You know, you have your Flashes in the Pan, you have your Mario Kart 8. And they both are making money for Nintendo. But neither of them is performing nearly as well as they could, or arguably as they should. And this is kind of what happened with GameCube. You know, GameCube, everyone considers it Nintendo's weakest console. It had a lot of great games. Some of them were multi-million sellers, but never, like, became the what it should in terms of sales. And Game Boy Advance... It was actually the weakest selling Game Boy in the entire Game Boy line. Nintendo's hardware, handheld hardware sales were going down with Game Boy Advance, and then the DS just came out of nowhere and blew everything back up. But 3DS is kind of picking up with that downward trend that the Game Boy Advance had. So they're kind of like Wii U and 3DS are basically GameCube 2 and Game Boy Advance 2, at least in terms of um, sales. And that kind of mirrors the third party stuff that's been going on lately with Nintendo 2. Because, like, you know, GameCube didn't have a ton of third party support. Game Boy Advance had some, but not as much as, you know, it could in theory. It was still kind of limited. And we're sort of seeing the same situation now with Wii U at 3DS. I mean, just this past week, Capcom announced uh, Resident Evil HD Remake for, like, every system under the sun, except Wii U, of course. And then Ubisoft announced a new Assassin's Creed spinoff that's on PS3 and Xbox 360. You know, systems that share the architecture of the Wii U and can easily have games ported from to the Wii U. And yet we're not getting that Assassin's Creed on Wii U. And then they also announced a Hasbro game collection, like, you know, Hasbro Game Night or whatever, except now it's not EA, it's Ubisoft. And it's going to be a digital platform where you buy the games within the game, kind of just dance style, but it says songs are like digital board games. And it sounds kind of cool, and it's perfect for Nintendo because it's family-friendly, it's, you know, a big... You know, gather around the multiplayer machine, you guys, yet it's not coming to Wii U. Like, all these third parties that normally would be bringing stuff to Wii U now aren't even bringing stuff to Wii U. So, we're kind of seeing... I mean, we're still getting Watch Dogs, right? Supposedly. I still am not holding my breath on that one. I still think it's going to end up getting cancelled. Wow. But but maybe the Mario Kart sales, you know, half a million Wii U in three months, maybe that will help convince Ubisoft to keep it going. But but yeah, we're, we're in this weird situation where third parties are not somehow getting worse. I thought we were already over the hump of like, we're going to have third party support. Nope, we're not. But yet now we're like, really not. Because, I mean, Capcom, Resident Evil, that was... We had revelations on Wii U. We're not getting... We also had two remakes. We had, we had Resident Evil Archive 0, 1, 2, and 3 well, on GameCube. Well, that's the Wii. Or GameCube, yeah. And then they also made them again on the Wii. Right. So, and now we're not getting anything for Wii U, even though they did give us revelations, which must have bombed if that happened. And then Assassin's Creed, we've gotten all the ones that have been on PS3 and 360 since the Wii came out, but then we're not getting Rogue or whatever this new one's called. It's just yeah. so weird. Then again, I guess, like, we never got Resident Evil 4 HD, which PS3 and 360 got. So. That was before the Wii U came out, wasn't it? Or right around the time of the Wii U? Uh, actually, I don't remember. If it was, be- if it was before, I then think it was like a month before. Then it makes sense. If not, then it might have been a month before. But and, and I mean, just to be clear, there are exceptions to these trends. Like much like GameCube and Game Boy Advance, kind of rolling with that analogy. Um, not every third-party game is not doing well. I mean, Sega, for example, they're seeing success on Intel platforms so much so that they're planning to release thirteen new Sonic. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> they're planning to release thirteen Sonic Boom games. One for every episode of the first season of the show. No, they're planning to release 13 new SKUs, which are individual products. So they could be the same game package in different ways. But 13 SKUs for 3DS in the next fiscal year. That's the highest number for any one platform, and they're expecting the majority of their revenue for the next year to come from those 3DS games. 
So, you know, they're seeing success. And even on Wii U, they're planning to release four games, which isn't anything astronomical, but they're still supporting the thing. And then there's, like, you know, indie games that have strong success, too. I mean, Yacht Club Games, they, uh, they're the guys behind uh, Shovel Knight, and they recently put this really in-depth blog post about the money they've earned and the sales they've made. And what's interesting is that across Wii U, 3DS, and PC, they've managed to sell 180,000 copies in the first month, which for an indie game is really impressive. I mean, Kirby in its first month. Kirby Triple Deluxe, which had a big marketing campaign, 200,000 copies or so. Shovel Knight, which was this little indie thing that then Nintendo started promoting pretty heavily, 180,000 copies. They're almost comparable. That's impressive. Um, 75,000 of those copies were the first week of sales, which is even crazier and exceeded their expectations by a lot. They got about 15,000 copies through their Kickstarter campaign. They're expecting like two times that in terms of sales in the first week. They got like 75,000, so definitely way more. But, um, What's interesting and what kind of ties into the there is success on a Nintendo system for third parties is the breakdown of which versions of Shovel Knight are selling best. And it turns out they're all close to equal. The PC version is obviously the best seller, has the biggest audience because of Steam, and it's also in the Humble Bundle, and it was available for cheap when it first came out. It was on sale as part of the summer sale. So that represented something like 38% of the total sales. But then uh, the 3DS actually was a full third of sales at 33%, and the Wii U was really close behind at 27%. And that one's way higher than I expected, given how big of a difference the 3DS's like 12 million people are versus the Wii U's like 6.5 million. Maybe up to 7 million now. But, um, so that's kind of impressive. It also, it also shows that, um, if you make a good third-party game, Wii U folk and 3DS folk will go buy it. Monster Hunter was enough of a success that Capcom's still supporting it on Wii, or on uh, 3DS. You know, Sonic was enough that Sega's doing all those games, so... There are situations where there are third parties that are successful. But then again, same with GameCube. I mean, GameCube had the same boat, so you really can keep drawing this comparison. Because GameCube, you know, you had Tales of Symphonia, which was a surprise success. You had Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Oh, yeah, which now that game well. done everything but Wii U. Right. Remake. Yeah, but like they had all these games that were, you know, surprise hits for GameCube. And they're like, oh, wow, third party games on GameCube. They occasionally the, the sell seems to be a PlayStation thing lately. Yeah. Well, at least it, here. I mean, they have the 3DS one in Japan, right? Tell the yeah. world, blah, blah. Yeah. With, like, a mishmash of main characters. Yep, yep, that's there. But, but yeah, it's just kind of interesting that, like, it's interesting how similar GameCube and Wii U are right now in terms of third-party support and sales. I mean, GameCube, GameCube's still better than Wii U, but just in terms of, like, the general vibe. So, this has got to do something. At the end of the day, what all of this means is that, yes, okay, Wii U has a few third-party successes, just like GameCube did, but yes, like GameCube, Wii U also doesn't have a lot of third-party stuff. Game Boy Advance and 3DS are basically the same thing in terms of progressing forward, and Nintendo's got to do something. It's not just fans noticing this, investors are noticing this. After the financials came out, Nintendo's stock dipped to its lowest in September. So, that's almost a year. So, they, they got to do something. And, and I don't even think it's just, um... It's not just the console numbers. They're also... This is perhaps even more worrying, is Nintendo's digital sales declined 12% year over year in uh this quarter last year 5.7 billion yen worth of digital downloads were made this year only 5 billion they lost if you round up they lost a billion close to a billion in digital sales year over year why what what possibly like every other digital platform you think about you know any digital storefront they're all on the up and up they're exploding and yet somehow Nintendo, who has been bragging for a while, hey, our digital sales are doing so great, we're exceeding expectations, look at this chart, look at this thing. Now all of a sudden they dropped randomly. It could be because they had no eShop exclusives. Pushmo World was the only one in all this past quarter and it came out the last possible week. But 
why and it also could be you know things like animal crossing was downloaded digitally a lot now it, you know tondachi life should have been downloaded digitally a lot too though this is like what's going on and that's potentially the most worrying thing never mind the console business never mind the handheld business why are there download sales when ev when it's the new it thing and everyone's on the up and up why are they on the down and down is that an expression that's not an expression so it's something that Nintendo should probably be worried about. It's something that's probably driving these new reports that there's some internal turmoil at Nintendo, which is never good. Um, there's a report out of Japan that said that some of the management at Nintendo is starting to butt heads with Iwata, and uh, I mean, they're kind of right in a new regard, because they're saying Iwata is to blame for Nintendo's current financial situation, which is totally true. He's the one that decides what products. He's the one that green, light, green lights everything with the assistance of that management team. But because that assistance is not exclusively his fault. But they all are saying, like, oh, we need to get on mobile devices. We need Milk Mario on iPhone. And as we discussed on the show a million times, that may not necessarily be the best strategy. It devalues the brand. It's not as good of an experience. You can't sell hardware if you're just storing the games on someone else's hardware. There's all sorts of reasons why that might not work. But they say they want to do it. And I want to say no. And this is causing a rift with the Nintendo, supposedly. Mutiny? So, they can't mutiny. <laughs> they can't do a mutiny. That's the thing. Because, um... The only people that can out Iwata properly are the shareholders. They're told to shareholder vote. Management can just go, rah, 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 we don't like you, blah, blah, rah, rabble, 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 but they can't actually yeah, the shareholders do anything. Seem to be voting for the shareholders have actually given him an uptick in approval rating. So it's funny because some of the other people at Nintendo have gone down, but Iwata's gone up. So I don't think he's going anywhere, but it's not good if your company, if the tier below you of management isn't supporting you. Yeah, They'll begrudgingly doing it, do yeah, it. They won't depending how well. bad it gets, they might just go, you know what, I quit. And then they get another job somewhere else. Yeah. And Nintendo has a lot of talented people. And I don't know how many of these managers are involved. Who knows how true this is. It came from a Japanese site called Biz Journal. Never heard of it. But I don't know. It could be reputable in Japan. But it's still interesting that we're, we're at the point, regardless of if it's true or not, we're now at the point that a conversation about internal turmoil at Nintendo and trouble within the company is actually, like, enough... You know, it's it's not so you go, yeah, right. It's like, oh, yeah, that actually could totally happen right now. Like, they're in enough trouble. They're not doing horrible. Wii, on, Wii U is growing slowly, just not fast enough. So, so that's kind of a look at the financials, at least my perspective on it. Um, we do know one actual Nintendo employee who is who has left the company, though. And this is... This is probably independent of all the financial stuff and that's uh, Dan Edelman who was the head of Nintendo's indie outreach program you mean it's not Adelman? I think it's Edelman it might be Adelman it might be Adelman Dan A. Del Man there Danny Dan Dan A. yeah so he he kind of ran all things indie at Nintendo for those who may not know who he is he uh, he helped craft WiiWare DSiWare the eShop lineups and he originally worked at Microsoft and then jumped over to Nintendo about nine years ago and established all sorts of relationships with all sorts of indie publish, uh, indie developers and publishers. He's the guy that got like World of Goo on the system. He's the guy that got Cave Story on the system. He he helped with more than you can imagine. He's the one that was apparently spearheading the, product, the project to get Unity Engine for free on Wii U to developers, which as we now know is a major selling point Nintendo uses to get indies on board and has driven a lot of the uptick in indie support we've seen for wii u because it's super easy that was him that was his doing oh, so thanks, um Dan. yeah so he's important so the fact that he's gone is kind of a major blow to nintendo's indie program they do have a whole team around him and he has gone on record in interviews saying yeah you know uh they can handle it they're good at what they do i was just kind of the figurehead of it but he became a figurehead because he shaped it and the thing is he actually um 
he's kind of the voice of reason in many ways for Nintendo's indie program, so the fact that he's gone makes me a little worried that Nintendo might slip back into weird policies or start newer weird po policies. Like, for example, uh, he's the one that got the office requirement pulled. Now, what they used to require is if you were an indie developer and you wanted to make a game for Nintendo, you had to be an established business. So instead of just sending a business license, what Nintendo would have you do, or actually they wouldn't have you do anything, what Nintendo would do is they would look you up on Google Maps and determine if it looks like you're in an office building or in an office area. And if it looked too residential, I'm not making this up, if it looked like you were too residential, they would then email you and say, hey, can you send us some photos of your office? They had a team of people whose job it was was to Google map random company, random developer addresses and make sure they were a business. There are so many better ways they could be using their time. You know, making an account system or redesigning the eShop interface. Like they're, granted, the people that did that probably weren't the ones doing Google Maps, but Nintendo could definitely have invested time and energy into other things, not that stupid policy. So he got that overturned, which is good. Um, but it's just like... I can't even believe Nintendo did that. That's, like, ridiculous, right? No. It's just so weird. I get what their <laughs> intentions were, but just ask for a business license. Why are you, like, Google creeping on companies? Yeah, it's it, weird. It is pretty much like Facebook stalking or whatever, mm -hmm. what have you. They were, they were Google. Yeah, they were creeping on Google to see if these guys were legit. It's pretty funny. Yeah. And, and the fact that a major, major corporation was doing this just is weird to me. And, like, another thing that uh, he helped overturn, although he also helped set it up, from my understanding, is they used to have on WiiWare, if you made a WiiWare game, you had to sell X copies. I don't remember what the number is. Like 2,500 copies in order to actually get Any money. <laughs> like that you, up to like $2,500 or copies, the money would never see the light of day unless you hit above that number. So what that meant is a lot of developers who might make good games that just never caught on never got paid. The intention, which uh, Ailman described as a noble one, and it kind of is, is they're trying to reduce shovelware so it would discourage developers from making crappy games because no one you you know if no one buys your game because it's super crappy or not enough people buy your game you won't get any money so it's like sure you might sell 1,000 copies of johnny goes to the store where you press a two times to jump over a log and the next thing you know you're at the store and game over like you could sell maybe 100 copies of those but you wouldn't see any of that money so instead nintendo wanted you actually make a real game world of goo something like that and then you would definitely see your money back because it would do well. Unfortunately, not everyone saw their money back, and that led to some problems. So from DSI where on, they dropped that policy. But but weirdly, WiiWare still has the policy. Instead of retroactively updating their old policies, they just changed them moving forward. So like Retro City Rampage, that was on WiiWare first before 3DS. He, I don't know, he was very close to not hitting his quota and not getting any money from the oh, WiiWare wow. version. I don't know if that actually happened. The 3DS one has sold like a ton of copies. Like it's been on the top of the eShop charts a couple times. WiiWare one because he released it after the Wii U came out significantly, never really caught on. He had to like do a whole campaign just to get enough copies sold in order to, uh, you know, make back his money. He wasn't even trying to profit; he just needed to make back the money. So, so that's something else Dan Edelman overturned. But on the bad, the, the bad side of his whole tenure at Nintendo, it's not even his fault. Is Nintendo tend to, tended to have knee-jerk reactions towards him. So, if he didn't match up his own opinion with what Nintendo said, at least publicly, like on Twitter or in interviews, Nintendo would kind of give him a hard time. For example, he agreed Binding of Isaac should be coming to 3DS. He thinks the religious uh, restrictions need to be loosened up a bit. Nintendo didn't like him saying that. He also uh, agreed with someone that on Twitter that uh, region locking's bad. He's like, he basically said, I agree. And then, again, Nintendo being crazy, Nintendo banned him from Twitter for that. 
Oh, wow. Like that's not company line. So you know what? Here's your options. Either we have a PR person tweet for you as if you're actually like, you know, like a Kim Kardashian celebrity where you never tweet your own stuff or, or you just don't tweet. So he just decided not to tweet. And the problem with that, you could say that's just in town being archaic. That's not, not getting social media or whatever. But the problem with that and why I was kind of hoping whoever's in Nintendo's indie team now is a voice of reason like Dan was. The problem is Twitter is a great outreach tool for indie developers. All sorts of indie developers talk amongst themselves and with companies on Twitter. If someone has a question for Nintendo, it's much easier to tweet Dan Edelman than it is to go find the Wario World developer site, look for the contact email, send it into an abyss where you don't know who's going to respond. You're talking to a person on Twitter versus a corporation on an email in a you know a unsolicited email that may never get answered so the fact that they banned him like nintendo really needs to get with the program on some stuff so it, it's kind of a sign that nintendo still isn't good and based on the financials and based on you know what dan's been saying in this interview nintendo still in some ways doesn't get it and they really 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 need to get it need so, to pick up their game they do but but yeah best of luck to dan I actually i feel like i very briefly met him i don't remember though but i feel like i briefly met him at indicate like i feel like i was talking about some demo and not realizing it was him talking to his act but best of luck with him he's now doing independent business consulting for indie developers so instead of being the person at nintendo they talk to he'll be handling the like business side of the companies that he was talking to and then helping them with nintendo with sony with xbox with whatever with microsoft so um yeah so best of luck to him that, that's kind of that sounds kind of like a cool gig um but kind of sucks that we lost him. Hopefully, so the business consultant he could potentially tell it. Hey, you should probably put this on Wii U. Yeah. Oh, he's still gonna be super like deeply entrenched within the indie scene on Nintendo, but he's there's, he's just not at Nintendo. Yeah. So hopefully Nintendo they're apparently backfilling the position. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But they do have a good team in place at least. Um, also, he thinks the Wii U name sucks. Oh. Well. He thinks it trades for half of the sales lost, uh, or half of the he thinks half of the bad sales are due to that. Well, I, think, I don't know. I, 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 it doesn't help. It certainly doesn't help. But if someone's into a product enough, they will buy it regardless of the name. The Wii was a horrible name. It has sold 100 million copies. Units. So, people will overlook stupid names for good products. Kia. What? What is a Kia? Yeah, it's a car that thousands of people buy. Like, there's, you know, there's dumb names. And they, they don't help, but they don't hurt, I feel like. so. They don't. Usually, I mean, just for the sake of being dumb, they don't. But, I mean, if it still confuse people not knowing whether a Wii or Wii U was like an upgrade or a new console then. then. Right, I guess I guess I'm now coming Cause to I mean, the... Yeah, because I mean if it was just for the Wii that makes sense, like it was right. so stupid but everyone still bought it but it wasn't, I feel like people were more confused about what the Wii U was than just them thinking it was right. a stupid name. Yeah, that was the first year, year and a half for sure and we've talked about that so yeah. a bunch on here and we're, I think I'm a, yeah I agree with that but I think it's now at this point the Wii U name's not the, the hurdle. The hurdle is nobody cares. Because here's the thing that I realized. If you're, if you want a Wii U like, let's say you're a kid, and you're excited about the Wii U, right? And you're like, oh, I love this new Nintendo thing. I can't wait to play Mario Kart. I really want one right now. You will go to your parents and go, hey, I really want this new Nintendo thing. I really love it right now. And they're like, isn't that a controller for the Wii? Yeah, no, it's a whole new thing. Yeah, the kid, the kid will... will understand it. If the, the fact is the kid doesn't want it. So he's not there to tell his parents. It's the other way around. It's like Nintendo trying to tell the parents, your kids will want this. And then trying to explain to them what it is. And the parents are like, isn't that just a controller for the Wii? And then no one at Nintendo is going, no, it's not. Because the name's similar and there's, you know, they don't have that direct marketing, so that's where the issue lies these that's days. True. These days, it's the kitties. It's the kitties. But yeah, so that that's my long spiel, Jason sales corner thing. But 
hopefully things look better for Nintendo going forward. I mean, they have Smash coming out. That's going to be huge. They have Pokemon coming out. That's going to be big. They're ramping up releases. Hit. It will be a Smash Excuse me. It will be a Smash hit. And if it's not, then whoa. That'd be shocking. Yeah. That would be really surprising, actually. 3DS is going to do fine. Wii U, at least Mario Kart <laughs> numbers. At least. But, uh, but yeah, so things hopefully will be on the up and up. We're, we're approaching fall where games actually matter. <laughs> we're approaching fall where there will actually be games and new games to talk about. But in the interim, of course, Jose, you've been playing a bunch of older games. So here's our lowdown on the download. Download, lowdown. Um, yeah. Tell me, tell, tell us all about what you've been playing. Well, I mean, these are tiny games. I mean, some of them DLC. So, I mean, there isn't like too much to say about them, but sure. we'll start with Moon. Chronicles. Moon, Moon Chronicles. Moon Chronicles. <laughs> yeah, the the 3DS remake of a DS game that came out a long time ago that I missed I missed out on the first time. I really wanted it. Had a creepy slash cool cover of just like the, 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 yeah. the helmet, the astronaut helmet, but never got it. The graphics are very similar to Metroid Prime Hunters if you ever played that. I mean, they're I, a little cleaner, right? Because it's the 3DS, so they're... You know what? I was playing Metroid Prime Hunters yesterday. Why? And that's a be- that's more important than Moon. Why? What were you doing with Metro Prime Hires? Um, well, you can't play online. Uh, well, well, as you can tell, um, my DS is always it's just always there. I don't see it. Um, oh, under, yeah, yeah, I see it. Okay. Yeah, it's just always there, and I decided to check what game was inside of Metro Prime Hunters. So you played? So I just played it, and how's it hold up? Really, really well. That's good. I I love Metro I'm like, Prime wow, the graphics are still really good, and like everything about it, it's like it still felt really good to control and everything. Right. And I mean, sure enough, like Moon Chronicles controls the exact same way. You still and with the stylus, move around with the analog stick. Well, now with the with the circle pad. Back then, you didn't have a circle pad. Right. And, um, I mean, I guess, like, everything does look crisper and cleaner. But, like, the graphics still, for the most part, for the most part, like, you could tell it was a DS game. We'll just put it that way. It's up-res, not, re- not built from ground up for 3DS. Yeah, especially the cutscenes. Like, it's, they, they're kind of jarring in how, like, they go back to, like, Whoa, this was not made recently. Like, they oh, the cutscenes are like the old cutscenes? Yeah. That's, did he just basically 3 d or did he, did they just I don't even think they're, they're not even in 3D. Oh, that's, that's a bit lazy, to be honest. But, uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, what he did improve with the game, like, it runs at 60 frames per second in 3D, so it looks oh, amazing. Nice. Like, just like when you're walking down quarter and the 3D effect, I mean, the 3D, like, many people, like, it doesn't bother me at all, even if I crank it up all the way. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really deep. Like, whoa! Like, it, 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 it made me. It made me. So say, it made deep, me, man. Whoa! It made me say, "Whoa!" Like, how intense the 3D effect was. Sure. Because usually, like most games, especially nowadays, you don't really get many games that use the 3D effect a lot. And most of the time, it's you just say, "Oh, it's there." Mm-hmm. That's like what you get from most people when I ask them how the 3D effect is. Right. Right. But oh, yeah, uh, we've said that about games on this. Yeah, they're like, show. "Oh, it's there." Like, yeah, it, it's there. There's some layers. Yeah, basically. But, I mean, as far as gameplay, I mean, I already said, like, it plays just like Metroid Prime Hunters. It just, uh... It's slower, though, right? It's a little more creepy-crawly, less running gun, right? Well, I mean, game... Like, the character moves at the same speed, like, the same speed. Like, oh, really? Yeah, like, it's the same. Um, the only thing it's, um... It's, a uh, Wow, well, I mean, I guess it is a lot like Metroid in the sense that, um... You're isolated. There's, like, corridors. You don't really talk to many people. You occasionally run into, like, a few baddies. You shoot them. You don't want to leave a little shootout. But, I mean, the whole... The atmosphere is supposed to be desolate and alone. And you're supposed to be, like, wondering, like, oh, what's going on? It's so a mystery. Like, yeah, like, like, why are these people... Like, why are these dying? What is this mystery hatch? And that's, like... Because it is split into chapters, that's what you do in the next one. So, 
Well, I guess time will tell what happens. Right. And if uh, you already long, played the whole game, then, yeah. How long was the first chapter? Because he broke it into, what, like five chunks? Is that how they're yeah, doing it? Yeah, five chunks. I like how we're saying he. Renegade Kid is actually a team of people. But we always <laughs> just assume it's Jules. Uh, Watson? Yeah. Or that's not his last name. It's like Well, well Hand. Well, I want to well say Watson, but it's, it's not Watson. It's not. No, it's definitely not. Uh, yeah, well, either way. Because, um, yeah, their whole idea was splitting it into bite-sized chunks so I think a handful of hours like some people have been able to beat it in like a little over an hour some people too how much does it cost uh, I want to say eight bucks but eight I, bucks for an hour that remember. sounds that sounds I don't remember the exact high. pricing don't quote me on it I'm, I'm checking it don't quote me on any of the prices of these eShop don't quote us on anything we tell you on this podcast because I was wrong about smash and he's wrong about pricing and together well we I never can't. said I, that's how much it costed I know you I ever know. went off of that one article yeah I know yeah, uh, but, but that, that's Moon Chronicles I mean, I would definitely recommend it. And there's no mul- multiplayer, right? I mean, find out the price, but... eight Huh. Wait, you could be it in an hour and it's eight ninety nine. Like, definitely a little over an hour. That sounds a little high. I mean, you could take your time and explore, but... I, I yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've heard very good things about about Moon, but eight ninety nine per... Oh, wait a minute! We've talked about the pricing before. The first one's eight ninety nine, but the other ones are cheaper, because the first one's basically the groundwork for the other ones in terms of building the engine. Depending on yeah, um, yeah, because I think with all said and done, it's gonna be twenty or thirty, and if there's five episodes, the others have to be cheaper. Yeah. So that's not so bad then. I take that back. So, so you'd recommend it if people are into, if want like I recommend. It. I mean, it's also style. like the only first person shooter on the three DS. That is true. It? So I mean, if you have an eighteen for a three D a three D first person shooter, then you might as well get it. I've actually been meaning to check it out. I just never got around to it. But but I mean, it's, it sounds cool based on what you're saying. So I, th- I think I will. Yeah. So, so what uh what was the what else? No, oh. it was that. It was the next one was Toki Tori. Right, Toki Tori one, the original. Yeah, Toki Tori one. This one came out way after Toki Tori two. Which I got because I like Toki Tori 2, so I figured I might as well get Toki the Tori one that started it all since right. they got a remake. And they, yeah, and they did upscale everything. Yeah, everything, it. it pretty much matches the graphics or visuals of Toki Tori 2. But um, it's way, it's a way different game than Toki Tori 2. Toki Tori 2, well, I've seen that name so many times. Um, Toki Tori 2 <laughs> is essentially like an open world side scrolling game. Mm-hmm. This one is a single screen puzzler, puzzler where. And imagine, like, a layout that just has multiple levels. You control Toki Tori, little chick. Um, there are five eggs scattered throughout the map. I mean, it's like a single It's like a single long screen, like, that Maybe sure. that might just go up and down. Right. And um, you're just supposed to collect the five eggs, and as soon as you collect the five eggs, you beat the level. And there is usually... Well, it's like bite-sized, opposed to, like, a big open world. Yeah, and they're just puzzles. Like, the object just figure out how do I get these eggs without dying. Right. And for the most part, there is, like, only a single way to solve it. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, and they keep throwing in new elements, like, um, in some levels, um, you'll get, like, a freeze ray, and you have to freeze enemies so that you could, so that they won't kill you, but if you freeze them in the wrong spot, you're gonna block yourself, and you won't be able to continue. But they have a rewind button, kind of like, um, Pushmo. Mm-hmm. So you could just rewind yourself to where you were previously, and, I don't know, it's really fun. It's definitely one of those games where, um, you get stuck easily, maybe you don't see, because, like, they're... There's usually one solution, so if you don't see it right away, you're going to be stuck. You're not going to know where to go. Mm-hmm. And for things like the freezeway, you also get things like a teleporter that will teleport you, like, maybe three or four Togitori lengths away from you in any direction. And that and that also counts through walls and things. So maybe you can only use that one time, and then you have, like, this little 
thing that makes a bridge and you can use that maybe twice. Right. So you have to figure out where to use them so you don't waste them. And if you waste them, then you're going to have to rewind again and try over and over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the, that's the game in a nutshell. That's really all it is. But it's fun. So if you love, like, puzzle games, like, I mean, Two Tribes just seems to love making these bite-sized puzzle games, like Rush. Right, right. So if you like those, you'll, you'll really like Tokyo Well, Two Tribes did like it until they restructured. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're doing Rive, which is, I think, a bit more... That, and this deep. game is really cheap. If it's not one ninety nine, it's two ninety nine. It's definitely on the that yeah, that's pretty cheap. really cheap end. So I would definitely recommend that one. I mean, like this one's like, yeah. I mean, there isn't much to say about that beyond like just spoiling it, solutions. Yeah, so. I mean, it, it, the game has to be simple because it starts as a Game Boy Color game. Yeah, I mean, it definitely like more, it was originally a Game Boy yeah, Color I mean, cartridge. Like, I mean, as far as like how complicated puzzles get, I mean, they do get pretty complicated. I mean, in Tokitori, all you do is chirp and stomp, and this one you get. Like I said, like you get to teleport, you make bridges, you get right, a free right. bridge, whatever. There's more to it in terms of complexity. Yeah. I guess when I say complicated, I meant in terms of just core. I mean, it's just different. Concept. Yeah, it's yeah. just a completely different game. That's interesting that Single they called the other one Tokitori 2 when the only thing in common was the bird. Well, I mean, I guess like all the chicks that were eggs, and, uh, yeah, all and hatch chick, and all, it's yeah. just like this whole thing. But I mean, it's still a puzzle game. They just right. went all ambitious on it and it paid off. Huh? Sure, what yeah. I think it did, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this one, I'm not sure what price is, but I would recommend it. And the last one, the Ace Attorney 5 DLC, which was, I guess, a matter of porting at this point, because it was already out in Japan before Ace Attorney 5 Right, they just had to localize it. Yeah, and this one, um, I don't know, I was worried at first that it might not be long enough for some reason, but um, I remembered... Um, is it free? No, it was paid. Right, okay. Yeah, but it was... um. Kind of like in the same vein that when Ace Attorney Part 1 came out on DS, it had the DLC that, I guess... Well, I guess it got a bonus case. Yeah, it had that the special DS-only case. Because uh, the original Ace Attorney was a Game Boy Advance game. So it came with those cases, revamped for DS, and that came with like a DS-exclusive one that had that used like the touchscreen fully and that sort yeah, of and stuff. Yeah, and it had like yeah. 3D little thingies, and yep. it had like things that Polygons, you couldn't do. Yeah, yeah. So, sprites. Yeah, so this like... And that one was, like, a fully featured case. And just like that mm-hmm. one, I like guess one is definitely, like, a fully featured case. Like, it has... I don't know. It, it definitely will last you many... A good chunk of hours. I assume it doesn't introduce new gameplay concepts, like, in the first Ace Attorney. It's probably just more of the same. Um, it does, it does one thing towards the end that they don't do in any other part of the game. Oh, really? But it's also something that you've done before in other Ace Attorney games. So, I don't know. That's, like, the weird thing about Ace Attorney. Well, not weird, but... Every chapter kind of, because they have the three attorneys, they each have different powers. Like, Phoenix has his um, chain locks that you have to break, and sure. Athena uses the emotion thing, and then Apollo does the, I guess, like, catching, like, subtle movements in people's, like, on, on like, on a person. Like, oh, they're twitching, you have to catch the, t- the twitch or something right, like that. Right, right. I guess since they have so many of these characters, um, they spread them out a lot more. So, like, you only use, like, Apollo's thing twice. Mm-hmm. Like throughout the whole game, and you use like Athena's things, I guess, probably like two or three times throughout the game. Well, that's good. That's more variety. But it, I don't know. But something that I kind of wish like we had used like some a little more because like those are really fun to use, and then mm-hmm. we don't use some enough. But um, this one um, I guess Apollo's kind of just there, so you don't really use his power. <laughs> but um, I don't know. The story's really, and I really liked it. It's different. It doesn't have like the typical murder that you're used to in every. Actually, every murder is pretty different in every trial like this one like i thought they'd run out of ways to kill someone or ways to do law like, and order has been able to do 22 years of killing people without running out of ideas so 
Well, I mean, the sense that, like, usually, like, oh, sometimes they're intentional. Sometimes they're, like, um, sometimes you know how they killed the person and you're trying to figure out who killed them. Or sometimes right. you know who and how, you're just trying to prove that it is them. Sure. And stuff like that. So and they this keep one, it mixed up in terms of yeah. the process, yeah. And this one, I mean, just, like, keeping true with this, like, the weirdness of base attorney, you're trying, you're defending an orca who is accused of... Oh, as killing, in a whale? Yeah, or as in a, a person? No, a whale. I don't know what the person orca would be, but... Oh. Yeah, You're like, defending a whale. Yeah, the whale is accused of killing the the sea captain or the, I guess like the guy in charge of the aquarium. Was it at Was it at Sea World because he was doing it was self defense at Sea World? See, see, I'm, it's topical because there's controversy about Sea World. Anyway, oh, was that the Sea? It was a, I guess a Sea World equivalent. Oh really? It was. Well, yeah. well, that's good that they released it when they did because there's the whole blackfish controversy. They this documentary about Sea World and how they mistreat their animals and. SeaWorld's, like, they lost, Southwest <laughs> stopped sponsoring them. Since I watched the documentary, like, some of it was in my head whenever I saw, like, like oh, you, you're going back to the, the Orca tank, and then I thought, like, oh, well. That's really a weird coincidence that the DLC, unless the DLC was based on that. I doubt it. I doubt it, too. That's but a this, weird coincidence. I mean, this seal seemed really happy, and it didn't look like it was being mistreated. Well, because <laughs> fictional SeaWorld yeah, is better than real yeah, SeaWorld. Yeah, but, um. But you're saying, sorry, that's no, a but it was definitely re- it was a definitely really satisfying amount of content like i was left wanting obviously like after every ace attorney i'm left wanting more but this one definitely satisfied at least mm-hmm. until i guess ace attorney cross phoenix right comes out no. no yeah professor layton cross phoenix right versus versus in america we don't do that cross thing we do versus they, they, yeah, we have project at cross them in america nintendo doesn't have, do that cross thing they we also have street fighter cross tekken in america nintendo doesn't <laughs> doesn't do cross no, so definitely satisfied. Like I would, if you, I mean, if you already have the game, chances are you're, I mean, your chances are you already like it since right. you're buying that game because it's such a niche game anyway. Yeah. So you should definitely should check it out. I'm still trying to figure out the Orca thing because, like, I mean, I understand it, but like, process it because when I played, I played the original Phoenix, right, and I love it, and I, for some reason never played the other one. Did you get to the part where you, but, where you call the parrot as a witness? Oh, yeah. I guess I did. That's pretty weird, too. But what, the, the thing I most remember about Phoenix... Right, actually, I beat that Phoenix, right? It's one of the few games I've beaten, oh, wow. ladies and gentlemen. The, Thank um, you. Or the core story. The extra mission I'm still somewhere in. The the bonus DS one. But yeah. the core Game Boy Advance game port, I got it completely. So, you're welcome, world. But uh, what I was going to say is... For some reason, the crime that sticks with me most is like the most casual one in the whole series. Which is like, this guy died on his boat. I'm like... I don't know why. That's whatever I think of Phoenix Wright. I think I, you know what I'm talking about? It's like the second case in the game. It's like, well, or not on his guy boat. Guy on his boat. Not on his boat, but there was a boat That's involved. the last case. Spoiler alert <laughs> for a game from 2007. Uh, or six. Okay, yeah, I guess oh, it was. Does. I guess it did make it that far. Yeah, yeah, it was the boat. I remember the that. Bo- I just remember the boat thing. That's all I remember about the game. I, mean, they always, I don't remember I mean, they, I mean, they always have like, cool like intros where like it shows like the guy committing the crime, but it's always oh, yeah, like, yeah. blacked out. Right, right. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. no, but I remember the boat. So when you said the orca, I'm like, how'd they go from normal murders on a boat to, like, orcas? But I guess the talking parrot in the middle is, is the bridge I was forgetting. Well, and also the three other games I didn't play. That might have something to do with it, too. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, murders are, can happen anywhere. I yeah. mean, this was just like... Yeah, no, no, no. They can happen anywhere, but you don't usually put an orca on trial. That's my point. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I understand the murder concept. I don't understand the orca. Yeah, concept. I mean, they're like, um, this one is just meant to play out like, like oh, the orca... Um, attacked the, um, the owner and it was supposed to be an accident but you can't they weren't going to put it on trial because it's an orca well because it was an animal like you it's supposed an to orca be an right so, that's what i said an orca so you're pretty much <laughs> trying to prove that it was murder 
so that you can actually put it in, put it on the court. Because sure. if it was just an animal attack, they'd be saying it's just an animal attack. Right. Okay, so it's somewhat... So you're not actually having a conversation with the orca, are you? Um... I guess not directly at some point. Okay, because you made it sound like you made it sound like they're singing their, you know, Phoenix Wright Detective Agency, whatever. And there's a knock on the door, and they open the door, and there's like an eyeball of an orca because he doesn't fit through the door, and he's just like, "I need your help, guys. They nope. think I killed someone at SeaWorld. I just defended myself." That's how I imagined the case unfolded. But if it's like but a it's... human saying we need to defend the orca, that makes more sense. Yeah, pretty and much. That's like more real. I mean, like I don't know. There's a pretty nice part where you do cross-examine the orca. Okay, so that's there. Yeah, actually, and it makes, like, you know what? chirping noises, and you're like, oh, so by chirp, what do you mean? What the more I think about it, the more I wish it really did start with, uh, the or you open, he opens his door, it's just, like, an orca's eye and, like, half his mouth. He's just like, I need help. That's totally what, uh, the next Phoenix Wright should be about. No, oh, well, apparently it's being said in, uh, really long... In the past, yeah, in 1700s. The past, so. Yeah, we, we talked about that one. Now, it's more info, I think, coming this fall. Probably at Tokyo Game Show next month, so... You know. And speaking of, speaking of events, um, definitely stay tuned to our next episode, actually, everyone, because Gamescom is happening in Europe this coming week, so there's going to be news, possibly. Yeah. I don't know how much in town news, but there'll be news of some sort. But before we wrap up, you, one of you deserves a Super Smash Brothers shirt, so we're going to give it away. So, uh, first of all, thank you to everyone who entered our giveaway for the Comic-Con exclusive Smash Bros. shirt. Uh, we asked you what Wii U or 3DS game you're most looking forward to, and unsurprisingly, Smash Bros. was the number one choice. We did get a shout-out to Bayonetta 2, and we did get one to Captain Toad, both of which are going to be pretty awesome games based on our hands-on time in the past, so so good calls on those. But yeah, the vast majority of people went with Smash. I found it interesting that a few actually specified Smash for 3DS versus Smash for Wii U or just Smash Bros. at all, you know, just generally saying Smash Bros. Either... Either they're the exception to the trend, like they're bucking the trend of Wii U versus over 3DS, or they're just done on Wii U's. But either way, it's cool to see that there are actually people that are really, really excited, most excited about the 3DS one versus anything else. Because I feel like that one's the underdog of the two. Like everyone's like, yeah, I'm going to buy it because I'm going to wait for the Wii U one and I need something to do. But it's, it's cool that there are actually people that are like legitimately Guilty. excited for it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Smash Run mode, personally. But um, not as excited as the Wii U version as a whole, but excited for Smash Run mode. Uh, but yeah, so we do owe an announcement of a winner of the shirt. So, that is our most important part of this whole little conversation. So, uh, comment number, we, we did at random, and comment number 16 is our winner. So that winner is Ricky Zavala. So Ricky, congratulations. Uh, we have your email, and we will be reaching out to you to get you your shirt as quickly as possible. And thanks to everyone who entered, and that is the most anticlimactic announcement ever. We didn't even do a drum roll. What's wrong with us? You know what? Back, didn't we back do pedal, a drum roll last back time? Backpedal, backpedal. And the winner is... Help me with the drum roll. This is a very sad, slow drum roll. Ricky! There we go. Congrats, Ricky. You did not know this from 20 seconds earlier, did you? No, you did not. So, yeah, we'll, we'll email you with the details. And, no, seriously, though, thank you, everyone, for entering. We're going to try and do more contests every so often. You know, we did the eShop card giveaway last holiday. We're probably going to do something similar going forward. So definitely stay tuned to us here at Rand Nintendo for more contests in the future and also for our next episode, which goes up August 24th and will include that Gamescom news, whatever news there may be. Plus, in the interim, we're going to have extras, as we always do. And actually, don't miss our previous extra we just put up, which is our Comic-Con photo gallery. It went up a couple days after our last episode, our Comic-Con episode. It's called The Sights of Comic-Con. You can find it at Ramtown.com. There's about 50 photos of everything from Nintendo's setup to a giant half of a Homer head to this weird woolly creature that was just walking the street. We don't know what it was promoting. It's just this giant woolly thing walking down the street. So, yeah, all those photos. Comic-Con's insane. Like, you need to see it for yourself. It's, it's crazy. Or at least look at photos. So yeah, check out that gallery. Um, 
Easiest way to make sure you don't miss anything going forward is, of course, to follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo, or to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. Just look for Ram Nintendo. We have a link at RamNintendo.com as well. Uh, you can also follow us individually for our latest thoughts on gaming and not gaming. I'm JSR7 on Twitter. Jose is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. It's also his Meverse handle if you want a friend to follow him, and you can find me on Meverse at Jason R. So, I think that's all the housekeeping stuff. So, yeah, congrats again to Ricky for winning the shirt. And thanks for listening, everyone. And we will be back in two weeks with all sorts of news, game impressions, and whatever else happens to come up. Okay.